welcome to The Lux Files, a podcast for occultists about occultists. I'm your host, Sean, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to subscribe to The Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on all the new episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 26 of The Lux Files. I am here with witch, occultist, paranormal investigator, and walking library, Kelsey Music. (laughs) Hello, my dear. Hello. How are you? (laughs) Doing well. Wonderful. Wonderful. Doing well after the whole tea accident. Yes. (laughs) Flipping my whole cup of tea and having to make a whole new one, hopefully not electrocute myself. Oh, yeah. Electrocution isn't fun. I mean, in certain circumstances, it could be fun, but uh, not right before my podcast. That wouldn't. No, 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 that wouldn't be great. Luckily, everything else survived. Everything's still in one piece. I'd be like, I I got myself all pretty for this podcast. And then she goes ahead and electrocutes herself. (laughs) Now what I'm going to do, I'm just going to keep watching the election returns. There you go. (laughs) I'm such a a geek. I love politics. Well, you know, I'm not involved in politics. So Mm -hmm. I think like as a regular citizen, I should say I love hate politics because I mean, as a regular citizen, you can't just love politics. You have to hate politics as well because politicians (laughs) are- One way to get through it. (laughs) Yeah, politicians are politicians, but it's election day here in Canada, federal Mm -hmm. election. And uh, it's, it's, I, I just, I love it. I live for it and seeing all the returns come in and- uh, I'm annoyed that uh, our prime minister um, dissolved parliament in the middle of the pandemic and all this election. Um, but what are you going to do? Yeah, that. I mean, I think we were talking like it's kind of different between the two, how how the government's run. It's just like, wait, you can just like go. Yep, yeah, we're done with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, our um, our uh like our government, like our parliamentary system, um, mm-hmm. you you know, we do have by law, you have to have an election every four years, mm. but you can, like the prime minister can go to the governor general. Now the, the queen of England, she's our head of state. Our prime minister mm-hmm. isn't our head of state. So our prime minister, even though our prime minister worked with your president as allies, they're technically not the same because technically our prime minister is not the head of state the queen Mm -hmm. um so this isn't a good um uh a good analogy or is analogy even the right word but our prime minister would be more similar to um what's nancy pelosi um uh, the vice president no, not the vice president, Nancy Pelosi. Um, oh. Uh, she's leader of the House. Okay. He, I think, uh, the, a little bit more closer. But the thing is that our Senate and your Senate, the way they mm. function are very different. So, yeah, it's hard to kind of compare. But, yeah, so, you know, as, as Prime Minister, Prime Minister, go to the Governor General. The Governor General is the Queen's representative here in Canada and request uh, that the governor general dissolves parliament. So you dissolve parliament and technically we don't have a government right now during the RIC period. Who's Uh, running the show? (laughs) Well, so whichever party 
was the governing party before the Ritrop. Okay. Like a caretaker government. But the thing is, you can't, like parliament is, is dissolved. So there's no sitting in parliament there's no um, passing of bills, anything like that. So it's like taking care of the day-to-day stuff, but they can't make any major decisions or pass anything. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is that, and if that still sounds crazy, <laughs> it's not that crazy because our election period by law is either as quick, short as 36 days or a maximum of 55 days. So it's mm-hmm. not a long period of, having a caretaker government uh because technically like i said technically you know mm-hmm. we don't have a a a government uh during the red period so it is quite different and and you know we have like uh five major political parties um like oh, there's, okay. yeah there's smaller ones like there's the marijuana party there's the communist party there's the people's party of canada but they're not I mean, they're never on the board, so oh, okay, they're, they're not. But there's there's um, liberal party, conservative party, mm. new democratic party, green party, and the Bloc Québécois. So, um, oh, okay. So whoever whoever um, uh, become like whichever party becomes the governing party, they don't even get like fifty percent plus one of the vote like it can be as low as 38 and a half percent but it's just that they get more a higher percentage than all the other parties because there's multiple parties so uh yeah so technically you could become prime minister and not even have like a majority of of uh of people voting for you Oh, well, yeah, usually we just, we just have the two parties. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have technically some of them, we have, there are smaller parties and stuff, but like when you see the election stuff, it's always the, it's always the two big parties. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that seems, sounds a little different and like interesting. It's like, huh, a lot more complicated. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's different. And then you guys also campaign for like mm. eight years. Forever. I mean, oh, well, I mean, you hear about people like, Hey, you're elected. Cool. Now we're going to start the next campaign for the next time. It's like, yeah. It's like, do do you have a moment? Anything? No. Okay. (laughs) Can you you, like? Can can you represent me in you know in Congress for a few (laughs) minutes? You know, like I have issues um, that I'd like you to take care of. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's it's uh, it's weird. I like our our system, but also that's also the system that I grew up in. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a different system. Like if I grew up in the States, I probably would look at Canada's system or England's system and be like, oh no, ours is better. You know what I mean? Just because, you know, that's how people, people yeah. are, you know, they, they grew up with something and it's, it's normal and comfortable and mm-hmm. safe for them. And they, they just prefer it um, just because it's, it's familiar. It may not be better. It's it, to me, like I, when I step back, cause you know, I also lived in the States Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, living day in and day out, um, uh, with Americans through a federal election, yeah. listen to them, their issues, blah, 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 blah. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of seeing it from the outside, but while being in the middle of it, 
Mm-hmm. And then looking at ours from the outside, even though like I, I was still able to vote uh, when I lived in the States, like vote, you know, in Canada, mm-hmm. um, trying to be Im- impartial, I think our system has more advantages, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the last few elections, I mean, last few years and everything, it's just, it, I feel now, granted, it might be too that when when I was younger and everything, I couldn't vote yet. It wasn't as big of a deal because it's like, mm. well, I can't vote. And But as I got older and could vote, it feels like it's this last few years, it seems to have gotten even more intense, like really driven where like, this is the hill I will die on for this this group yeah. and everything. It's like, really? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like right now, like before uh, Justin Trudeau um, dropped the red, he was mm. in a minority government. So for him to pass uh, mm-hmm. bills, um, he would need the support of other parties. So you get some collaboration, oh. which is great. But even in a majority government, like we don't elect the prime minister. We elect our ministers of parliament. Okay. Now, the leader of the parties are... MPs, ministers of parliament. So whichever um, whichever party gets the most seats, mm-hmm. we have 338 ridings across the country or whatever number it is, um, that party is the governing party and the leader of that party becomes the prime minister. So we don't oh, okay. go for the prime minister separately. So it's not, so we're never in a situation where we have, say, like a liberal prime minister, but a conservative uh, ah, party with the majority of the seats where, mm-hmm. where you know, you know, uh, the liberal prime minister wants this progressive thing mm-hmm. to happen. And the conservatives are like, well, we're controlling the parliament because we have the most seats and we're not going to vote for it. So you, you don't have the same sort of inaction that you see in the states a lot yeah that's where we get the fight where we'll have like like right now we have Biden, but and then you have like more conservative and even though the president wants passes the conservatives like yeah no and yeah, yeah that's when it becomes a, a push and pull and everything yeah but your filibuster is also bullshit too like that <laughs> that's completely undemocratic i mean if if if, if the democracy, like your, your system of democracy is 50% plus one, mm-hmm. then the filibuster is not a democratic process. And we know it's not a democratic process and we know why it was created when it was mm-hmm. created and what it was designed to do. Uh, it's completely racist and mm-hmm. it needs to go because that's where you guys also get your, um, your um, sort of like stagnation because you need like 70 votes yeah and that just doesn't make any sense it's yeah it's it's one of those like i've the last these the last two elections i feel like it's been definitely learning more about how the government our government works because it's it's one of those it's not so cut and dry and people just like oh you know you vote and then this happens like no no (laughs) there's a little more like loops and turns before we get to the end here yeah and then the electoral college system is something that's that's just so broken (laughs) yeah yeah 
But again, we also know what that was all about, why the electoral college system exists oh, yeah. in the first place. And it's like, I, I get it's whatever. But you know what? I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be too <laughs> on your system. Yeah, have I, you I, have I, you seen when they redraw the lines and everything? How yeah. weird it gets. Oh, and when pretty- you guys do the redistricting and everything, mm-hmm. the the uh the uh Republican filibuster or not filibustering, gerrymandering. Yeah, it's yeah. I, you know, I just, it's weird to me. It's just weird how partisan stuff like that can be. It just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. It, I, I don't get it. I don't like here. Um, I, <laughs> when we, when we um, appoint someone to the Supreme court yeah. uh, here in Canada, um, it's not like a liberal prime minister doesn't um, appoint a liberal judge. It depends on what, region of the country they live in because mm. all regions have to be represented in the Supreme court um the senate um the, the senate is like sober second thought the our senate isn't like your senate that can create bills and and you know stuff like that they're they're mm. i don't want to call them a rubber stamp but they're sober second thought and technically they can be liberal conservative ndp whatever mm. but um uh, a lot of them are independent and it's just it's different it's just it's yeah. really different you know so there's there's things um you know like like your supreme court nominations are very partisan mm-hmm. um that's stuff like that just never really ever caught on here in canada that that partisan ship in in stuff like like that yeah it's yeah it's one of those things like even i sometimes i scratch my head going like i don't i will admit i don't fully understand it sometimes where i'm like okay i i feel like i have to look this up because it'll just like rattle off stuff I'm like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah good old politics oh yeah and i have a friend who's like he he's very deep in the politics and i i can just ask them like a question and they will just run off the history and this and that and i'm like oh good i'm glad you understand because i yeah. have no idea what you just said <laughs> it's complicated it's it can be very complicated how how uh how things work mm-hmm. i love it but like i said i i have a love hate for it because it's hard to love politicians i like other people's politicians like i love the clintons and i get to say that because i'm not an american i've never had to either vote for them and be disappointed or not vote for them mm-hmm. and hate that they had power in this country you know what i mean so i get to be like i love the clintons you know whereas the you get the, to sit outside and watch the show like this yeah, is I mean, where's like the politicians <laughs> that i vote for like um i don't like oh i love so and so or so no mm-hmm. they're politicians and they're going to disappoint you yeah and, you know uh in, in one way or another um they're going to disappoint you so i don't love any politician that i'm responsible for voting mm-hmm. for or voting against um they're just like okay you know what i hired you uh your staff now get to work <laughs> you know i look at it more like Okay, this is what you promised. I hope you at least fulfill 50% of what you promised because this is why I looked at and voted at. And I'm hoping we can at least cover some of that. Yeah. I mean, I know they make big promises usually and they can't fulfill it all because obviously they have to then go up against the machine of things do not move very fast anywhere. Yeah. But it's one of those like, 
how many of these things do I agree with? Are you the closest thing that I agree with? Cool. Yeah. Let's yeah. work with that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I do love the Clintons actually a lot. <laughs> I think they're fantastic. So, but that's just me. And I get to say that because I'm Canadian. So there you go. So anyways, enough about politics. Because uh, I mean, I can go on like this whole episode can turn into politics so easily because I, I love talking about politics. But uh, we're here to talk about you and learn learn all all about you. So um, with uh, the theme of of my podcast, um, what I like to do is I like to start with the like a moment in in your life or like a series of moments that kind of set you on your magical, you know, slash spiritual path. Now, I think <laughs> I'm either going to be really surprised about your story growing up or ex because I'm assuming you're going to have a different sort of um upbringing than most of my guests uh, <laughs> when it comes to to magic and whatnot so mm -hmm. i might actually be very surprised at your story but yeah so let's go back to yeah. to when you were wee 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 back to the beginning yeah <laughs> well i mean i i mean I've, I've talked about this with with the show and everything and just i i grew up in a primarily the the simplest term would be i grew up in a primarily pagan household like as in i didn't and i grew up around the occult and um it was just kind of an everyday thing for me so it it was one of those things where um i always have difficulty describing it honestly right. because like I said, some of those terms, usually I grew up in a pagan household because that's like the easiest way to explain it. Cause I'm like, well, yeah, this. And you know, honestly, sometimes <laughs> the things we're most familiar with are, yeah. the, are the hardest to describe just because they're, they're so normal to me. Yeah. Do I describe it in a way that you know, someone else can understand. But like up until, I mean, not like I've been doing my podcast for a long time. It's only been five months, but you're only the second person I've interviewed that has a, I'm just going to like air quote, non-traditional upbringing. Yeah. You know, uh, like uh, my friend, um, Frater RC, he grew up in a transcendental meditation household. Ooh. joined the golden dawn when he was uh 15 or 16 oh, so wow. yeah so all the rest of us yeah we're, we're all like oh yeah i was christian <laughs> you know until i found my first book on witchcraft you know what i mean so so for you like you had a different upbringing than most mm -hmm. of us but for you that was just that was normal yeah you know? and, and and the thing was it was it was very normal where it wasn't until like outside the house when I started and interacting with kids or even gotten older and interacting like, okay, so like I said, I grew up in pagan, but then when I met like other uh, pagan witch, Wiccan practitioners, 
that's when it really hit more like, oh, people <laughs> didn't grow up like this. They had to be, they had to find it themselves or be introduced by someone else or mm -hmm. that they usually were raised a different religion and everything. And they, they switched out. And so that was very interesting to me of like, oh yeah, this is normal. And actually what was stranger to me is like, like I said, even though I, the household grew we still celebrate like we celebrate Halloween and Christmas and mm -hmm. Easter, but not in like with like Christmas and Easter and the Christians. And we just had a tree up or we would have baskets of eggs, but we didn't even celebrate in like what people today would consider the penguin with like Yule or um, Ostara or anything, or even Samhain really. We just had Halloween where we dressed up in costumes and did trick or treating. And that was our extent of Halloween other than maybe putting the jack-o'-lanterns out and, and maybe an offering of food, but that was about it. It was like, yeah, this is what we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's pretty normal, I think, even for um, uh, people like me who, like I, I grew up Roman Catholic, mm -hmm. uh, I still put up uh, a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, yeah, be, oh, Yule tree, oh, you know, uh, Christians stole the Yule uh, Christmas tree from the pagans. But like all that aside, mm -hmm. um, it's just it's it's part of secular. You know, for for us in in the West, it's yeah. it's still it's still part of secular life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so it, it's fun to put up a tree and and put presents under the tree it's fun to do a, an egg hunt with oh yeah it's like i mean we watched the christmas specials we would even watch the, the morning christmas parade and everything mm -hmm. and it wasn't until like i would see other friends uh christmas trees the only difference was we didn't have like a nativity scene under the tree or anything right, that'd be the right. only big difference but i'm i knew why they celebrate christmas but it still was I there was still to me Christmas was presents tree and Santa Claus <laughs> right right yeah 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 so as a child then mm -hmm. did you did you have any pay like so you're you're saying like you know Halloween you know mm -hmm. it was for for you got for you as a as a child you're um, dressing up and trick or treating. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, like a, like, you know, Samhain ritual, like, cause that would suck if you were a kid and <laughs> like, well, no, you can't trick or treat because it's Samhain ritual. Um, I'd be like, I'm converting to Christianity. I want candy. Well, uh, what's interesting is when I got older. Okay. So when I was really little, we, we lived in an apartment, so we couldn't really, we didn't have really a yard to, to do anything with. But when I got older, we, and we had our own garden back, own back garden, everything. I remember we would still do the trick or treat in the costumes, but then maybe around midnight, we would go in the backyard and leave the offerings of food. And uh, I think we usually left like milk and wine and cheese and bread. And and if we cooked a dinner that night for Halloween, we would leave a little portion of that and we would just basically make some sort of statement of this is for the spirits of the area and we wish you blessings and we wouldn't have a candle for them and everything. So when I was older, we would definitely get a little more involved with that, mostly because now we had a space to do it with mm -hmm. and everything. Okay. okay. So 
do, as a child um and let's say like like grade school age like i'm a mm-hmm. young child um you weren't participating in uh like more formal rituals no i i really wasn't um it wasn't till my teen years that i started like i'd always at pra- like knew of like okay so one of the earliest memories i had was my dad who was a magician and everything, he uh, read tarot cards. He had always done it. He, he had done it since forever and everything. And he was replacing his tarot deck because it was pretty worn and old and everything with a new one. And I think I was under the age of 10. I was maybe eight. And he's like, here you go. And he hands me a tarot deck. And I knew what it was. I, I'd seen him use it and everything, but I wasn't yet as very familiar with the symbols. It was just at that point, it was like, ooh, pretty pinchers. And mm-hmm. I would play with it and just, I think I remember trying to use it like my dad, but not really understanding how it worked. I just knew he would lay out the cards and try to interpret them. And I was, I think I remember doing that without yet reading the book on how to interpret right. them. Do you remember what deck it was? Uh, the Rider Waite Smith. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he had a he had a Rider Waite Smith. I remember he also later had uh, the Thoth deck too. Mm-hmm. So I I still have the first one he gave me. It's like in a box. They're right. so delicate now that I don't even try to shuffle with them because I feel like they're just going to fall apart on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that's nice. Um, something nice to hang on to, though. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. That's like, like, uh, what, eight years old, you know, playing with tarot cards. <laughs> I think that, no, I think that's really cute. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I didn't, that was the thing. It wasn't until later that I would hear people talk about them. Like, oh, you, be careful with them. Like, I didn't think anything bad. Of them. I didn't, I just, I knew about divination. I, I mean, I even remember seeing him use the I Ching coins mm. and everything. And we had the I Ching book and whatnot. So, and we had runes. So we had various tools, divination. And to me, I just saw them as tools. I didn't think anything bad of them. And went to layer people were like, oh my goodness. I'm like, you just, respect them and you do them and that they just it's a tool it's it's not yeah. gonna do anything weird <laughs> well yeah i mean because growing up around this like you mm. you um you were exposed to these items mm-hmm. um in a normalized way so you you know like the rest of us were like oh um i i picked up my first book on witchcraft it talks about tarot i'm gonna get my first tarot mm-hmm. deck and we get all of the you know new age superstitions with mm-hmm. you know oh ouija boards careful with the ouija <laughs> careful with tarot careful 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 you know mm-hmm. uh, everything everything that you, you know you can possibly put your oh careful because uh my friends <laughs> brothers sisters cousins best friends <laughs> you know um used a ouija board and got trapped in it and so yeah so you you uh i i probably had access to my dad's books way too early <laughs> but no i mean again growing up where this is normal for you mm-hmm. you know you you get 
you get access to these tools and you understand what these things are and and you got to bypass all of the superstitions like the the modern Mm. super modern new age superstitions that that are attached to them well i would hear about them later on yeah i'd be yeah. like well i don't i'm not sure about that are you yeah, sure about that exactly yeah and i would then get curious of like well why is this a thing and i didn't start researching why is this a superstition and everything and it actually for me the 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 difficulty actually was when it was one thing in the household it was fine because we talked about paranormal and ghosts and witchcraft and this and that and actually my dad was into into some paranormal stuff mostly the parapsychology angle of it but he never really got into the ghost hunting part like I did I got more into the ghosts and haunting stuff as a kid it was more me having to realize going outside the home and going to school and everything that this freaked people out if you talk about ghosts if you talk about hauntings you talk about all this weird stuff people are going to start looking at you like are, are you okay or mm -hmm. like this is freaky or this is scary and like we talk about this all the time how's this <laughs> a bad thing were you like taught as a kid you know when you're in school don't talk about this don't talk about that you know like like more of like a like a safety measure i think to some extent yes like it was one of those like I wasn't told like you can talk about it, but it was like it was more like maybe you shouldn't just because they won't understand or that it it's not really their their thing compared to to what you're interested in. Also, honestly, at that point, I was kind of the weird weird kid anyway, so I I, I already was on the the fringe as it was. Right, right. Um, I think one of my favorite memories of like elementary school was there was a. I want to say she was a um, TA and during recess, she would tell ghost stories like local legend ghost stories. And I just love sitting around just listening to all them. That was like one of my few fond memories of just hearing the local legends from this That's person. Awesome. Oh yeah. I think that might've been one of the callous of like, I want to know more about ghosts. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. There's so much that I don't think we, um, we realize how much we absorb as kids mm -hmm. and and how they certain and they can be like really small circumstances that just end up shaping our entire personalities and mm -hmm. our entire lives you know oh, like yeah. i'm sure the ta wasn't secretly in doc trying to indoctrinate <laughs> children into the occult it's just like these are fun stories to tell. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. She, she would talk about the hauntings here and around like the Lamont, like the little town Lamont we have in say college and, and just um, the, the, the tunnels that connected the old houses and everything. And I just remember enjoying those stories and then at some point they stopped and everything. And then I remember going to the the school library and basically grabbing every book I could about the paranormal. <laughs> interesting so did you grow up in the area you're you live yeah. now mm -hmm. okay okay so houses connected by tunnels 
there there is uh there's a small town called Lamont and it's it's a kind of like historic town and there's these like Victorian houses and I believe if I remember the stories correctly they they were doing like um uh remodeling on the basements because I think some of them were like dirt basements and they found tunnels connecting them together from one house there because there'd be like a row of gingerbread Victorian houses and they they know they found a tunnel would link them all together. Now at the time, I remember she was trying to say that it was like the Underground Railroad, but that's, I later on thinking about it, I think it most likely might have dealt with more probably probation, pro, the prohibition era and maybe oh, right. bootleg mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from house to house and everything. <laughs> yeah, 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 that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Huh still creepy sounding though oh yeah i would honestly love to know which house this is and see if they still even have those tunnels or anything <laughs> yeah 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 that's that, that just that's creepy though i would hate or do you like you're saying this is a historic town do yeah you, like it's just historic because it's, it's old or is it like a like people live there Oh, like, it people live there. It's it's more historic just because the the houses a lot of them are um, still a lot of the original houses because I believe before it was Lamont they used to just call it the town at, at the end of the hill or everything and it's this beautiful old house. It, it's now very much arts uh, art gallery and a nice cafe and everything and it's this and a lot of them are like especially on the main road are like gingerbread Victorian houses of like probably 1880s 1870s or so and they're very well kept together and everything okay so, so it's yeah like, it's more like, the historic of these these houses are still um some of them might be registered and everything okay 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 no i didn't know if you meant like historic town like you know how um you know they're they're almost like open air museums oh like, yeah yeah um, yeah so like like, uh, uh, like williamsburg or something yeah <laughs> so people live in these houses oh yeah mm -hmm. uh, i don't know if i'd want to live in a house that knowing that there's a tunnel attached to other houses like that just creeps me out because i watch <laughs> i watch horror movies i know what goes on in basements with tunnels Oh yeah, especially since probably some of these are like the dirt floor tunnel, the dirt floor basements and everything. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, this uh, the uh, in high school, I remember one of the more interesting stories we would talk about is the there's this old church near um, outside town called A Kill Church. And it's this beautiful church. It's one of those like white steeple churches and everything. Mm -hmm. It's literally up on top of a hill. It, it it's a bit of a drive to get there. And the urban legend was that it was haunted, that there was a um, uh, a pastor who killed his entire, entire congregation and that kids would go up there trying to see if they would see the ghosts. And one of the big stories was like, if you, when you're driving away, if you see lights in the back, that means the ghost is following you. <laughs> so this was definitely one of those places where a lot of the, the kids would just scare themselves silly. But when you look into the actual history of it, one is still an active church. They still mm. have like Easter and Christmas um, mass and everything. And if there's a cemetery right next to it and there's not like a bunch of tombstones of the same year or anything. So it's like one of those, I have no idea where this story starts. I just 
is find it interesting. I want to know where where yeah. did this urban legend come about? <laughs> yeah, I think if you're you know some of that enjoys researching, mm -hmm. um, I think discovering that these you know scary urban legends turn out not to be true are just as rewarding as mm -hmm. you know investigating them you know in a, in a paranormal sense because um it's just it's it's the idea of of knowledge of knowing of finding out you know whether yeah. or not so yeah I, I would imagine like if if you like researching it would be okay to be like oh okay well this story isn't true but i enjoyed the event i enjoyed the story the, yeah, the legend of it and everything story, and i enjoyed research there's always a little truth things. somewhere in there that just then telephone game spiraled out yeah, so yeah when um, i lived in ottawa ottawa's yeah. the capital of canada um i can't remember the town it's it's like east of of ottawa it's uh, my friend grew up there on a dairy farm and actually i i don't even know if you would really call it a town like or even a village i think it was just more like a collection of of farms and it's all you know like you go by you miss it yeah but you <laughs> okay know, we have all, we have quite a lot of those <laughs> yeah um and it, it's all like wheat fields or corn fields whatever it is and you know dairy farms but there's a church and it's up on a hill and mm -hmm. it kind of looks like a like a man-made hill okay you know, i don't know if it is it's just because the entire land is just flat 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 but then you have this oh. mound with a church on it but what was creepy about it very you know um american gothic um is and it, this is just because you know the land is so flat and all the roads are are straight you know they're in grids but you're either facing like you're driving you're either mm -hmm. facing the church or if you look in the rear view mirror you see the church mm -hmm. when you're going down this road when you're going down this road and you look in the passenger side mirror and there's the church or if you're going down this road it's the driver's side it's just like no matter where you look in yeah. this area you're looking at the church that's, and it, <laughs> it, it, it always creeps me out because it's also the whole scenario like like the you know the the golden wheat or you know it just it just had that you know golden wheat fields and, mm -hmm. and that that church on the hill in the distance and every time like if you're not looking directly at it every time you look at a mirror depending on which road you're on <laughs> it, it just it will depend on which mirror it's in and it's just like no matter where you look there's just that church and it's just it, it, it sounds like one of those creepy stories like i cannot escape this i'm it, just yeah. Yeah, everywhere yeah. I go, it I'm I'm back where I was. <laughs> yeah, it always really kind of creeped me out a bit. It really mm. did. Um I I appreciate it in hindsight um for the you know, it, it would make a uh potentially a good story. Um, mm. you know, um but yeah, uh creepy. There were, there was nothing creepy about the church like I actually had to of all places 
go into that church because when my friend's mother died, they yeah. had the, the funeral service there. And um, I, yeah, I just, it, it just actually being like stepping on that hill, like on that land in that church, I was really, I just had like a creepy vibe, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there was anything really attached to that. Like, like it's like any like weird energy in the earth. I don't think, I, I just think it was just all of my experiences with that church prior to actually going into it was just that creep factor of yeah. it. Like, uh, it just, uh, thinking about it just really starts creeping me out. Like I can just see it right here in, in the side mirror. And it's just, it's really bothering me right now that I'm talking about it, that I brought it up. So well, it, it, yeah. I think also it's one of those, like, like we were saying, it's, it's very similar to a lot of like horror stories or ghost stories of, and I, I think one of those things I know for myself half the time is I love horror. I love ghost stories and stuff and scary movies. So when I'm near a building or to a building, it's one of those trying to figure out, okay, is this creepy because there's something actually here? Or is it creepy because it looks like every other like Stephen King novel yeah. come to life? Yeah. Because what you described that reminds me actually like that show um, Preacher, where it's like the the guy who has the supernatural abilities, but his church is this little white um, steeple church in the middle of like flatlands nowhere. Yeah. And there's just something that's off about it. <laughs> it's creepy. It's just completely, completely creepy. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Um, I, I'm just, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm seeing it. Like I said, I'm seeing it on on my right side now. Like it's in my, like the 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 mirror, the side mirror, the cars in my peripheral vision right now, and I'm like. I can just, ugh, I just, it's, it's, cre- it's just creeping me out just thinking about it, just relating this story. And I mean, we're talking like, we're going back because I lived in Ottawa from 2001 to 2005 or 2000, 2005. So yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about like, a, we're going back a long time. Yeah. And it just still to this day, just creeps me out just thinking about it. It still has that presence about it, even yeah. not being there. Yeah. <laughs> That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to turn it into a story. I don't know. Cause I write um like uh, a cult detective fiction. Oh, um cool. so I, I I I may have to turn that into a story now that it's in my mind. Oh, I honestly I would I think that's very cool because you see a lot of stories where we get freaked out about like places that are unfamiliar or you no know, nowhere. I mean, this is where you get like children of the corn going on mm-hmm. and just you're never sure what it is, but there's just something unsettling, like like the back of your brain that sends off warning signals, like no, we shouldn't be here. But you don't, you can't really pin down why. I think because it's so normal. I mean, it's a cornfield. Mm-hmm. Like it's a corn. Like there's nothing around. There's just corn. Like it, it, that's the most innocent mm-hmm. thing. Like I don't get creeped out um, walking on you know new york city streets where people shoot each other mm-hmm. that doesn't bother me <laughs> but being in the middle of nowhere surrounded by corn yeah creepy you know like it's and i don't know if 
and I think it, it's creepy to us because we were raised almost conditioned to make it creepy because mm. of, of horror stories and movies and whatnot. So that plays a part in it. But why, why cornfields to begin with? Because they just look completely harmless because it's just corn. There's no one around. So yeah. it's not like it's not like there's there's you know a, a mugger with a gun um right around the corner. But then there is. That's the problem. Then the killer comes out of nowhere, out of the innocent corn, and you're dead. And it's just creepy. Oh. Or, or you're knocked out and they take you back to wherever they're hiding out and they string you up and, you know, skin you alive. You know, well, I think it's because also like it's so quiet. Like, okay, if you're in the city and you're surrounded by people, you know what to expect. You're walking yeah. around the city, there's people and everything. But when you're in the middle of like, like, okay, so for me personally, what would freak me out more is not so much the corn, but actually the if it's like a flat lands because I feel very comfortable around mountains so every time when we drive through somewhere it's like flat nothing maybe houses and some trees that's that just freaks me out for some reason like I'm not protected there's no cover there's nothing (laughs) yeah but yeah maybe with the cornfields it's the idea of like you're in this you're by yourself you're quiet there's no noise it's just you yourself and it's like you're waiting for something to happen something has to happen (laughs) right i love it it freaks me out but i love it i love it i love being freaked out though it's fun oh yeah yeah it's totally fun i live for it and i mean you obviously like being freaked out or else you wouldn't be doing you would never do paranormal (laughs) investigations because i don't care how experienced you are Mm -hmm. you still get scared oh yeah yeah you know jump scares and whatnot what actually ends up scaring me like most of the time, if I am freaking out about a place, it's more I'm not familiar with the, the layout because, like, I'm a klutz. Like, I will run into a wall or something, especially if I don't have a flashlight Fill or I will TV. trip over something. I will do myself damage. Yeah. So I'm usually more worried about, like, I don't know where I am. I'm not familiar with this area. That's what would freak me out more than... Well, the ghost probably would, like, I've only had a few times where I think I've seen a full body operation, but what I find more interesting is one of those, like, in the moment I saw something, then afterwards, I'm like, that might have been something. (laughs) I don't know what, but that might have been something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, that's that's the stuff you usually kind of freaks me out it's more like i'm wandering around in the basement in the dark with a flashlight i hope i don't like break my neck (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny i love it i love well you know you see on on shows sometimes it's like oh yeah we can't actually see anything like we can totally Mm -hmm. fall and yeah i mean that's just common sense that's obvious you're walking in the dark but it's funny because i'm thinking like you hear noise and you can't help but jump and mm. your heart's pounding, you know, and, you know, and some noises can be really creepy where, where now you're really freaking out. Mm. Not Elsie, you know, she's just worried about walking <laughs> the wall, you know, like, you know, a demon can be like, I'm coming for you. You're like, I just don't want to walk into a wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, tear, me I mean... apart. tear me apart. I just don't want to walk into a wall. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, in the, the like when when people watch shows and such, they'll see the night vision and they'll see every they can see everything. Yeah. Like they can see where we're going in. But if you're like in the moment, like when we're filming with the night vision camera, like I can't see anything. Yeah. Sometimes I couldn't even see like the hand in front of my face. And you also want like you I would you using a flashlight, you want to be careful not to like um burn out burn the camera or anything because of the night vision and whatnot. But even then that's like barely can see anything in front of you with the flashlight, whatnot. Yeah. That's the stuff that really freaked me out because like, I don't know where I'm going because we would maybe walk through during the daytime and get like a quick view, like here, this is where we're going to be. And it's like, yeah, like I was supposed to remember all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course I get either thrown in the basement or out in the woods. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, um, it's it's weird because you watch all of these these paranormal investigation shows and of course it's all done you know with with the night vision so we can actually see what's going on otherwise that would be a really boring show mm-hmm. if, you know for an hour my my television was was <laughs> um i i think it, it's got to be like for someone who's never done a paranormal investigation i think it must give a really false impression of what it's like to do a paranormal investigation yeah because you can't help but think that you're walking around in black and green or gray and black vision which Mm. obviously you're not you know maybe if i had the goggles (laughs) if i had like night vision goggles that'd be awesome (laughs) yeah and that's one thing like why don't paranormal investigators actually wear night vision goggles i'm not sure i i would definitely be down for that like just to just to have night vision goggles on hand that would be so cool um well actually for me what i think people get the the wrong idea when it comes to watching the paranormal shows is they're looking usually at like okay if it's an hour long it's about 40 minutes mm-hmm. in reality four minute show if it's a half hour show it's usually about 20 minutes because you have to factor in commercials and whatnot yeah. um but they're seeing like 40 minutes or 20 minutes of a cut from several hours of filming of an investigation and there's so much time maybe in that investigation where there's like nothing happening. Yeah, like we're yeah. walking around, we're che- checking out spaces. We're like, did you hear something? We'll go check it out. We're sitting down doing EVP session. But when they see the edited down version, it looks like stuff is immediately happening one after the other. And it's yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Not really. <laughs> and I mean, there's even some shows that, you know, pack in. Mm three days of investigation into an hour show which turns out to be 40 minutes of actual time so yeah it's it's um i i I don't want to say it gives a false impression like saying that as a negative Mm -hmm. um just you you have to re like you you do sometimes have to stop and think and and be like okay the screen gave the time when they started 8 p.m you know the now 40 minutes later the screen gave the time it's now 4 a.m like you gotta <laughs> you know it, it, it to to really kind of grasp what mm-hmm. your experience was like 
through that investigation, you have to take that not just as information on the screen, but actually process that information and say, oh, okay, they were at it for eight hours. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. or three days. And, you know, um, and realize that, you know, it's not, it's not a 40 minute session, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and the thing is too, it's, um, like I said, like usually we did like three days of filming where it'd be like, we would have the, the research, we'd get location, we did research, we'd do like a walkthrough. And then if I remember correctly, we would do one night and then we would do more research and then we'd do another night and between that we'd be doing interviews. So you had to splice all that together and everything. And then you wouldn't even get into like pre-production stuff where we'd be doing even more interviews and researching before getting on location and whatnot. So there's like a lot of moving pieces, yeah. but then people get to get to see that finished result. And I think this is where people, I, I think it used to be people thought more of it as like, well, this must like stuff must happen really fast. Cause this, I think now that we have so many paranormal shows and people are much more familiar with how it goes that they realize it is not this fast acting yeah. and not this yeah. um, quick thing. And that actually you're going to be at location probably for six hours and you're going to be exhausted. And, and cold, cold and, tired. and hungry <laughs> and walking into walls. Oh yeah. One thing that I think is great about these shows is they put all of that, like you just described, you know, mm. these, this three or four days of research and, and, walk through an investigation and research and, and, mm -hmm. and investigation. They, the shows put it together in a really nice package. So you can get, you know, the, the important points and the mm -hmm. experience. And I, you know, I think the shows do that well. And I, I, I think it does a good service to the, I may be wrong because I mean I'm not in the paranormal community really so I may be way off base here but I would think it does the paranormal community kind of well to see that packaged so so nicely mm -hmm. um, to, to kind of okay this is what we do yeah so, like well, look, at, look at all this research look at you know, we mm. having to do the walkthrough and, and the research, and now we're going to do investigation. Like, we don't just walk into a building, knock on the door in the middle of night, be like, hey, you know, don't mind my equipment. Like, there's so much, you know. There's that, so much more to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that was actually one of the things I had to learn for myself real quick, because I did a lot of the research, and, and I would have, like, a binder full of stuff and you would often see like more like 20 30 seconds of uh, usually a clip of me walking into a historical society or a library and flipping through some pages and showing like the highlights of what we found and at first I was like but there's so much more that the I did this but I had to kind of learn that yes there's there's all this research that does help with the case but we don't have a three hours for this yeah. show. We only have this amount of time and they have to convey 
quickly, yes, you did research. This is where your research came from. And now we're moving on to why we think it is this theory for the case. Yeah. It was just kind of like an easy way to translate it. Yeah. And paranormal state too, on top of just the fact that, you know, regardless of how many days and how many hours of, of research and walkthroughs, uh, also too, paranormal state was only half an hour, like each episode, yeah. only half an hour, they weren't even like an hour long. So that's, you know, you just got to condense just um, like that much, that mm -hmm. much more, you know, so. Oh, yeah, we yeah. had to cram a lot into 20 minutes, essentially. Yeah. So I, I talked to when I had uh, Michelle Belanger on um, my podcast, mm -hmm. uh, they talked about how they got involved with the show. But like, how did the show happen? Because okay like you guys weren't uh you guys didn't, didn't get together one day and be like we're gonna put together a paranormal investigation show like you were students that fell into a show mm -hmm. you know what i mean like like the, this wasn't well like, it, you you guys didn't put together a show be like oh you know what would be fun like you're all sitting around drinking be like oh <laughs> you know it'd be fun let's do a paranormal investigation show like you were students mm -hmm. doing investigations yeah we the the prs paranormal society would was already around for yeah. a couple for a few years uh we had the the conference the unicon and everything um what i believe if I remember correctly, what kind of got it going was we had gotten, we were in the press a few times because we worked on a couple cases. Um, one of them was the uh, missing person, the Cindy Song case in 2002, 2003, I think is when she went missing. She went missing on Halloween 2002. Okay. And if I remember correctly, because I was not involved very much in this part of it, but we were in the newspaper dealing with it because we had gotten, um, I believe, a psychic connected up with the police who were investigating that case and everything, and they were working. So there was that. There was also um, a case in Pittsburgh where we work on that got press as well. And we were at that point starting to kind of put together a um, kind of a, a some footage of like, because some people were like showing interest, like, hey, this would be interesting. Um, college students investigating the paranormal and all that and whatnot. And so it was one of those, it was a, definitely a process, but I don't remember, it wasn't like, yeah, let's do a show. It was more like, yeah, it's hey, let's, there's some press. Hey, this looks interesting because like Buell was in um, writing, journalism, film as well. So he was aware of filming and everything. So mm -hmm. it kind of went from there, if I remember correctly. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was. It really was. I, You know, I have a, a skewed memory of, of timelines because, and Michelle corrected me, because I thought Paranormal State predated um, <laughs> Ghost Hunters? Yeah. Ghost Hunters, yeah. And and Michelle was saying, like, no, it, Ghost Hunters aired mm -hmm. 
before paranormal state but see i was um i was still living in canada when the show aired and technically my first paranormal show was um dana newkirk's uh show there was a a, a channel up here in, in canada uh called space tv okay and um it only lasted one season wait was so, that the girl girly ghost hunters yes yeah yeah i saw i actually uh i think i found that recently on amazon prime and everything i'm like wait what is this <laughs> yeah 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 so technically that was my my first uh uh paranormal investigation show but mm -hmm. i in in my head i thought it was paranormal state but i mean it also too i mean I have such nostalgia for Paranormal State. Whenever it's on like reruns, I always watch it. Um, but I think because too, like I could certainly identify more with the group in Paranormal State than I can with a bunch of, you know, dude bros, <laughs> you, you know? Yeah, it, well, what's interesting. Um, so, okay, yeah, so uh, Ghost Hunters, uh, I can't remember what I referred to what Colin was, but Ghost Hunters was one of our tentpole speakers. Like they, they had, I want to say they had just premiered, like they were at least in season one, not, not, if not going into season two. So they were the, the tentpole speakers of our conference and everything. And they were like really big at that point. Yeah. Um, and so Jason Haas came, uh, and a few others and we were like close behind because it was like ghost hunters came out i think um ghost adventures came out soon after and it was all basically one after the other and i think us and ghost adventures were like kind of neck and neck on who, i can't remember who came out first one i want to say ghost adventures came out before we did See, I'm not sure because I don't I don't know what channel Ghost Adventures launched on. It just I know it wasn't um available, like it wasn't a channel. So yeah. like we we get some American uh channels, but not like all American channels. I'm trying to remember if they've always been on travel channel or were they on different well, I know see I can't remember and I know travel channel like had you know throughout the years you know had like name changes yeah. and so I didn't discover ghost adventures because we don't have a travel channel up here in mm. uh in Canada um like um you know like discovery they don't I, I I'm you know I don't know exactly how it works but like discovery their shows up here are all on different networks so okay. like so like we we can't get discovery plus because discovery plus doesn't oh. own those shows in in canada because they're mm. they're already selling them to other other channels yeah um so i i didn't know anything about ghost adventures until i moved to texas and i mean like well you want to talk about dude bros um, I mean, you know, it's, it's very interesting seeing him from season one compared to now, like season, I don't know, 26 at this point. It's like it he's it's very different. <laughs> yeah, um, I hate watch it uh, sometimes uh, if there's if there's nothing else on, I'll hate watch it. Um, but yeah, it's ugh. but no. So I think I think the reason why um, 
I, I thought Paranormal State predated Ghost Hunters was just because like I obviously identified more with, you know, a group of weirdos. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, like you, you look at your group, you look at like um, ghost hunters and ghost hunters, they're just a bunch of normal guys, you know, yeah. and then there's you. And well, I think the other difference was too, is like with ghost hunters, it was definitely much more on this, like explaining what it might actually be and more kind yeah. of like the more skeptical side and in trying to to really dissect the evidence whereas with panel state it wasn't like we definitely did try to dissect evidence and show try to prove whether or not but it wasn't seen as much and it was more of the i guess spiritual believe in the paranormal side compared to what ghost hunters was like it was definitely kind of night and day between the two shows yeah and you know and that at that point, I mean, I'm fully immersed in mm. in magic because at the age of 14, that's when I first discovered witchcraft. So, I mean, at that point, because I would have been, I would have been in my early 20s. Wait, go, Paranormal State launched in 2005? Uh, five? Five? Five, was five or six. Oh. <laughs> oh, right. it was like, yeah, that's right. So I would have been, uh, oh, I would have been in my mid twenties then. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I can mean, see, cause that's, that's around the ages we were, we were all about early twenties to mid twenties at that yeah, point. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm fully immersed in like my magical life mm-hmm. and I'm a weirdo um you guys are all weirdos and you're more (laughs) you're more like you know like the less about oh let's check for raccoons and more about you know like the 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 spiritual you know belief in in the paranormal so I think I just connected with you guys more oh yeah we we had more psychics and and we had psychic walkthroughs we had more um like banishings and, and exorcisms and, and magical practices compared to like, I know with ghost hunters, they, I remember one of the early members was uh, pagan and she actually came to you. I remember her doing a talk about utilizing um, her, her uh, mag- like magical tools in investigating everything. It was really cool. Like I loved seeing like she had this cool box of like candles and athame and herbs and everything that she would use in investigation, but you didn't really see as much on the show, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. So, but no, then, definitely not. Yeah. 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 So, but what was that like? Because uh, again, you guys were just regular kids. You know, you, you go to school. You're a student. You you join this paranormal, you know, group, and then you know. It's like, hey, let's put you on television. Like, what, what was that like? Were you guys like all like, oh yeah, we're all in, or was it like, I'm not sure about this, or well, not like. It was interesting. Okay, technically speaking, I was not a student. <laughs> okay. I just took advantage of the library and the campus. <laughs> okay. okay. Um. Well, okay, so I think if I remember correctly, um, it was. Like you don't think about it now because there's so many paranormal, sh- paranormal shows out there, but this was kind of 
breaking new ground in a sense mm, because yeah. reality shows were still kind of new-ish to to tv i mean you, i remember watching survivor and there was real world on mtv and road rules and everything so that was really all you kind of had to go on like because okay, we weren't sure like okay we know they want to film us investigating but then how much of our like private lives do they want because i i'm very honestly a very private person to begin with like i'm pretty um keep try to keep that separate so i was more like wait where are they going to film like i don't want them to get anywhere near <laughs> like, right yeah i'm going to film my house they're not going and this they're like don't worry we're not going to do any of that I'm like but all we had to go on was like, well, I remember Roll Rules and Real World and Survivor and these early parallel shows, not parallel, early reality shows. And it was all, all about getting up in people's business. It's completely invasive. Yeah. yeah I'm like, wait, yeah. how invasive are we going to get here? Yeah. 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 And if you look at the early seasons, in some ways, you can kind of see that because they were trying to go off the idea of like, oh, there's these, um, these people who are like in their 20s and like they were trying to go like oh the college life stuff i mean if, if you look at some of the early episodes i probably still remember it's very kind of cheesy where they were trying to incorporate that but it wasn't really working because we were like yeah no yeah i mean yeah. we'll happily film investigations but mm, yeah because i remember a couple of episodes where they were trying to they tried to do some filming on campus and everything they got a little bit of that but um eventually that they moved away from that and everything mm -hmm. so you'll see later on we'll we'll do briefings at a diner or at like some open space but you don't really see much of campus anymore or really anything dealing with our like what do you do when you're not investigating <laughs> yeah, yeah so it, it really was focused mm -hmm. Focus on the investigation and and not your you guys as as individual people yeah. with their lives and whatnot. Um, Michelle uh, said that she kind of and I, I can see this in a way. Uh, she said that they kind of um, almost created you guys as a group like um, Buffy. The oh, <laughs> I remember that show. Yeah. You know? And uh, you can kind of see it. And I mean, mm -hmm. you know, that was it's hard to think of now uh, a world without reality shows, but it wasn't really until the writers strike. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where all of, you know, where reality television really exploded because mm -hmm. you need writers for reality television, even though there's nothing real about it. Um, but yeah, back then, I mean, this was all so, so very new, you oh, know, yeah, so new TV and I can see where the producers would think they needed some sort of hook, like, mm -hmm. oh, college life by day, paranormal investigators by night, or let's kind of, um, create like a Buffy type of idea theme to the group mm. like you can see that because you can see where the producers are like well, we will we need some sort of hook well that and also i wouldn't be surprised if they were hoping like maybe drama or just like 
but the problem the i think the problem was for them it's like we had been investigating for a few years we yeah. already knew how to work together we already knew what each other's strengths and weaknesses so not much in way of drama really yeah were you <laughs> in the group like from the beginning yeah i was in the npr's pretty early in the the beginning of the the group inception and everything like i was actually originally um part of like i think uh, a pagan uh campus group and then i remember a member coming into our meeting saying hey we have a meeting coming up either it was that night or next night at this time in this room blah 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 and i like grabbed the flyer and like okay <laughs> i just went and just that was that <laughs> that's cool because yeah, there was no there okay like today you can find paranormal groups all over place you can yeah. go online find paranormal groups you can usually find them in your area and go to them but back then they were much further like there was not as many or at least yeah. it wasn't as well um networked or connected like you would have to sometimes drive pretty far to get to a major town before mm -hmm. maybe you would find a paranormal group that might last for like six months before it dispersed Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's completely different. I mean, and again, that's not a surprise. You see mm -hmm. the popularity of the shows. So, of course, you see oh, there's so many explosion now. In, in the amount of uh, paranormal. Someone, I don't know if it was someone I follow or if it's someone that someone I follow, I can't remember, on Twitter. And um, uh, they tweeted uh, a photo their local library you can sign out a paranormal investigation kit oh my god i would it's, be so down for that it's so cool you know i i first of all i've always loved public libraries and i'll you know i'll die for public libraries public libraries are getting so innovative and so you know this is a good example. You know, this one library where you can um, sign out a paranormal investigation um, equipment, but the kinds of things that you can access mm -hmm. libraries nowadays, um, from like home appliances to you name it, like it's it's only limited by the library's creativity and the resources. Oh, yeah. But why not, you know, with the popularity of, of um, ghost hunting, why not have a, at your local public library, mm. a paranormal uh, investigation kit with all of the, the gadgets, the meters, everything that you can sign out and do a parent, why not? Honestly, I think that is a great idea because most of the time when I hear people asking about wanting to get started in uh, mainly like ghost hunting and such, and they they're not they see all the the uh, various electronics, the the ghost box and the K two meters and everything, and they see all these expensive tools. They're not sure, and video recorders and audio recorders and everything. They're not sure what to go with. They're, they see a whole bunch of stuff that people use and they'll show off in their investigations. And most of the time I tell them like, okay, you just need like a digital audio recorder, a camera, either your phone camera or like a digital camera, notepad and pen and you're in a flashlight and you're good to go really. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. that, that's your very basic beginners. But I like the idea that 
with a library rent, allowing you to rent out like a K2 meter, um, millimeter, probably a video camera, audio recorders, like it in some ways it's great because then it allows people to try out this stuff. Yeah. Am I actually interested in doing this or is this just kind of like a weekend fed or something I might want to do every once in a while? I mean, I even heard of places that do ghost hunts, they now allow people to rent out equipment there so that they can try mm-hmm. this stuff without having to do the upfront investment in it, whether, and like figure out, do I actually want to do this? Yeah, because I mean, the, the cost can certainly add up. Oh, God. I, uh, <laughs> uh, in two, that, when did the pandemic hit? Was it t- 2020? Um, <laughs> it feels uh, like it's already been like, 10 years and everything yeah i always i I, for some reason i always think yeah um uh 2019 um like beginning of 2019 not the end of 2019 (laughs) uh so um that winter uh 2020 i'm like you know what i'm gonna do because i perform as a drag queen what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna um get a couple of the girls we're gonna get up and drag and we're gonna start doing ghost hunts Oh, cool. And we'll film it and yeah. we'll put it up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll give it a, a really, you know, kitschy, creative name and uh, put it up on YouTube and it'll be great for a laugh. And then um, COVID hit. So, of course, that mm-hmm. happened. But also, too, I mean, drag takes a lot of work. I mean, it oh, takes. I can- it takes a lot of work. And I'm like, should be in full drag and walking around a high place. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, do I want to go through that effort? Um, like, I don't mind being in corsets and whatnot. Like, I like mm-hmm. being, I like being uh, um, constricted in a corset, actually. I find it very comfortable. Oh, yeah. But um, it's just like, do I really want to spend two hours doing my makeup and, <laughs> you know, half an hour just getting dressed? Mm-hmm. Um, just to go somewhere and be cold for six or eight hours, you know? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I would honestly watch that because I would think that would be so cool to watch just like something enjoy entertainment-wise. And also I would be so worried about the six-inch heels. <laughs> well, no, I mean, realistically, like we would, I mean, I would never wear flats. I mean, like that. You'd be like in the more toned down dragoners. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I would get, you know, boots that were a little bit, a little bit more sensible, um, you know, like, like a four inch heel. Yeah. Um, oh, that would look so cool. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do it in my stilettos because that, that, that just wouldn't make, well, actually. Well, you do the intro in stilettos. Like you, yeah. you, you do the intro and totally glam yeah. up and then the actual investigation, you're like a little toned down, like, now we're in the I don't care if I mess this up because we're not going to ruin our dress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I could I could see that there'd be running involved and um, which, you know, it's easy enough to run in stilettos, but in the dark, mm-hmm. while you're scared, I don't, you know, I don't know. So, no, I, I, I was I, I did actually uh, consider I'm like, OK, well, that would be a snag. But I'm like, no, I could I can wear like a four inch heel because mm-hmm. you know, that's that's basically at that point you're wearing slippers so um well there's some really nice boots too with a little bit of heel and everything it's like nice and like balanced and whatnot yeah 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 so i don't know that may still have i don't know i mean i'd be down for that that'd be yeah. awesome <laughs> you know uh, 
who knows? Who knows? I mean, we 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 gotta gotta you know nip this freaking pandemic in the bud first. Um, well, I think that's honestly to me with with the shows and everything, uh, especially like actually what I find really interesting is watching the panel shows on YouTube, like the the groups that put up their own footage because sometimes they'll they'll um, edit down to like an hour or so and sometimes they'll be like here's the entire investigation here's all three hours of it mm-hmm. and what I enjoy about those is I think it also kind of shows like there's a difference between ghost hunt shows where just like just watch it for the entertainment like you're going to enjoy the history of the place you're going to enjoy the story of the investigation but don't go in there expecting any real like scientific discoveries more like cool evidence evps and just a enjoying the people who are doing the investigation and then there are the ones where this is like here's our entire investigation look it over do you find anything Mm. and those are like i think that's where people are realizing there's a difference between the two where the there's the entertainment ones and then there's the here check out our evidence did we miss anything and I mean, there's a place for both. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go into uh, an investigation um, in, in the same way that I, I approach my magic. I don't, I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to claim, you know, scientific evidence. Because when you as a magician or a paranormal investigator start making claims about scientific evidence i don't think you really understand what scientific evidence is and the whole process around that mm-hmm. like did you do it a thousand times the the, the same can, can you the, prove it over and yeah, over again the, no matter the, what the same experiment in the same spot you, you know what i mean like i mm-hmm. you know when at the end of certain um dude bro shows uh <laughs> uh and we got scientific evidence like I don't like, you know, if I'm multiplying 43 by 118 and I use a calculator, just because a calculator has batteries doesn't mean I'm doing science. Mm -hmm. It just means I'm using an implement that has batteries. So just because you have, you were holding something that has batteries in it doesn't make what you're doing science. Mm -hmm you know and that's that's uh what i find interesting because like i i i um on podcast with crystal who does ghost girl diaries and everything mm-hmm. and we've even talked about this where people are still freaked out about ouija boards and spirit boards and there's the comparison like what's the difference between a ouija board and spirit board to the ghost box or even a k2 mirror you're still communicating yeah with something it's the only difference is one has a battery and one does not. And because yeah. this thing's electronic, people think it's safer or won't open, I don't know, whatever they think it's going to cause. Whereas they, they they're like, have, oh my goodness. Yeah, they don't have the superstitions attached to them. Like, yeah, it doesn't have the history, it doesn't have the Hollywood superstitions. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember um, uh, uh, the, haunted, the Haunted Salem Live show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that they all did on Travel Channel. This was back uh, Halloween of 2019. Yeah. And I was watching it uh, uh, Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. And so you have all the comments. And, you know, at, at its peak, there was like 11,000 people um, watching it on Facebook. 
So, you know, catching some of the comments and the Ghost Brothers did a Ouija board session in a room in, in one of the buildings. Yeah. And they put the uh, Ouija board down on a chair and they left the room and like, oh, we're going to go here and, and do whatever. And people in the comments, oh, they didn't close the sessions. They didn't close the session. And just freaking out about not closing closing the Ouija board. Um, You never say that about closing the K2 meter or Mm -hmm. the ghost box. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's just a superstition. If, if a Ouija board opens up a doorway, it opens up a doorway only because it's a method of communication. Mm-hmm. It's not like the Ouija board possesses an innate power that opens up doorways. Yeah. So if it's opening up doorways because you're using it as a method of communication, then a K2 meter, then a, a um, ovulus mm-hmm. ghost box, then all those are opening up doors as well. And they yeah, are making be, a link. Or yeah. A connection. And, and they have to be shut down or or whatever just like a Ouija board session is, is supposed to be I just found it really amusing because it's um it I just I just found it amusing what I also found amusing <laughs> what, <laughs> what? <laughs> well I think most of the time people are so front-loaded I, like they already expect something evil to yeah, happen yeah they've they've I, done the the sleepovers or they've watched the movies they're like and then the the Ouija board like spells out Satan. They're like, yeah. oh my goodness! It's yeah. like, yeah, I don't think Satan's bothering you. Maybe someone's right. just messing with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I um, so, <laughs> so I'm watching um Haunted Salem Live. I this makes me I think about this way too much <laughs> in my life, just because I I just found it so funny. Um. I'm watching uh, Haunted, Sa- Haunted Salem Live. And like mm-hmm. I said, at the peak, there was like 11,000 people watching it on Facebook. And like half of those people, they were just there just to have a good time. They're fans of the shows. They yeah. want to see something. They want to hear something. They're just having a good time. I mean, it's mm-hmm. Halloween. All of the, uh, the investigators of all of our favorite shows are all together. This yeah. is just great. Well, then there's the other half. There's the 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 other 5,500 people and out of that 5,500 people half of them were either um Sarah Good either a descendant of Sarah Good or the reincarnation of Sarah Good oh my goodness (laughs) and the other half were all like listen to the way they were criticizing the investigators and what they're mm-hmm. doing wrong and, and how they know better. They were all either like master adepts and <laughs> it was so I, 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 at one point um, I had to literally like consciously say like, Sean, start looking at the, the cameras because it was a lot more um, entertaining <laughs> all of these comments because everybody, like I swear, at like half, like half of that fifty five hundred uh, group were all reincarnated Sarah Goods or Goody. I I don't know what her last name is, 
and and then the others and they're like oh travel channel give me a show i can do this better <laughs> i know how to use a ouija board but it's like oh okay witch queen i mean mm-hmm. like aren't you aren't you too busy running your 100 covens you know like they're all descendants they all already know how to do it right and it's yeah just, yeah those those are usually more amusing to watch because it's one of those like it is literally a Halloween special. It is not that. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was just so funny. It was. It was just so much more entertaining, um, in a certain regards than actually mm-hmm. watching the show. Because I mean, you know, this is a live, actual live investigation, so it's it's a lot slower moving and it's mm-hmm. a lot quieter than a, a television show that has three days worth of recording. Oh, yeah. You know, into an hour. So there was some, you know quiet moments where like just the these comments were just so much more entertaining than anything that was going on on camera it was so fun it was just I just couldn't I just couldn't with them I remember like uh, Ghost Hunters done it I think Ghost Hunters did a couple of live live ghost hunts and everything and and those I always felt it was interesting because it's like yes you now get to see how much dead air spaces in between when we're just sitting in a room waiting for something to happen or asking questions and nothing's going on they're like why is nothing going on because this is an investigation we're monitoring things yeah (laughs) that's that's what happens (laughs) yeah yeah for sure do you have like the most scariest moment um in through an investigation where you're like like that it scared me then and it scares me now thinking about it uh, and I don't mean like it's necessarily from the show I just mean just yeah. your experience I'm <laughs> sorry I'm like blanking out like Oh, actually, um, was it West Virginia, West Western State Penitentiary? Yeah, I think it was West Virginia, West Virginia State Penitentiary. We'd actually gone there, I think, twice. We'd gone there once for um, to do an episode, and then we went there a second time to um, do an event there. I remember that. And when we did the episode, there is on, I want to say the third level is the hospital level. Is okay. either the second level or the third level is the, the hospital wing of the, the prison, essentially. Um, it was interesting because like we got to walk around the prison cells themselves and they were tiny. Mm. Like, um, have you ever been there before? No, 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 no. Okay, so but I mean, I've literally seen it on every single paranormal show that's ever been on television because I think everyone's been there. The cameras don't really show. Okay, so is I don't know how people could find those because, like, I when we did the event there, I actually did tarot readings in one of the cells. Like they okay. set me up inside the cell, and I had like my little table and my tarot reading. And like, I'm squished in there. And like, I don't know how someone like could handle this. Like I I felt confined and all was with just me, a chair and a table. And that was it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was already feeling confined. But when we investigated for the show and everything, 
I just remember when we went up to the hospital wing and whatnot, and even going up there for the event, it was, I, I have this, I don't know, like we've investigated this place and there was another hospital and we investigated where it's this, I have this fascination with hospitals and asylums and just those buildings and the history of it. And they always have, I have always such a weird like fascination yet fear at the same time i, mm. I don't know <laughs> how to explain it yeah or it's like i really want to check them out but at the same time when i'm actually in there i'm like a little freaked out too yeah. and going down that hall and there'd be like there's like doors on every side and these were doors would have windows and everything because i believe these were like the 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 rooms where the patients would be kept and whatnot it was the scariest thing for me just because I we were in dark pitch dark and with just the flashlights and, and walking down the hall and I kept having the feeling of being watched like it wasn't even just like oh this is a spooky place it was literally okay I think someone is just kind of hanging out and observing us mm -hmm. it was the weirdest feeling and but it wasn't like I know people talk about like being watching like in negative sense but it wasn't really negative it was just more like hey what you're doing right okay I'm like i don't know if we should be here but i'm going to keep going and it's just like i kept waiting to see a face out one of the little windows or something it was okay. that freaky for me <laughs> i would totally go back there but i'm like this this was definitely up there on the this is unnerving <laughs> okay yeah 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 yeah, I, I I can I can definitely see that. I think that um, there's that creep factor and mm. the 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 unknown behind it that I can see that being more scary feeling than yeah. a bang. Because at the end of the day, in in an abandoned building, a bang can be. Mm -hmm. a piece of debris falling you know but you can't fake that that presence that's just staring at you, you yeah know? it was it's like this because it'd be like if i remember it would usually be me when our person and then you have like a camera person and then audio person so it wasn't like totally solo at times but mm -hmm. It was like, okay, I can account for all these people, but I still feel like someone is like behind one of the doors, just kind of watching us, wondering what we're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always keep waiting for either seeing a, a face in the window or the doors to move or just something. And I'm like, okay. So. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And it's funny because, you know, I, I've watched so many paranormal shows and prisons of course are, are popular places mm. to to film this thought never occurred to me until right as you were saying that like you could imagine the spirit of a prisoner of a former mm. prisoner being like why are you here like why would you even willingly walk into this <laughs> like this is a whole yeah. prison i died here uh that was probably the best thing that happened to me uh in my experience here because living here sucked what are you doing here? You know, like it's not, it, it doesn't have to be a malevolent just mm -hmm. because it's a, you know, a, a creepy feeling doesn't mean it's a malevolent Ooh. spirit. You know what I mean? It, like yeah. even, even like a friendly spirit can 
you know, like, well, and, and of course you practice magic as well. So like when you're, you know, invoking spirits, mm-hmm. helpful spirits, good spirits, there's still that, um, not so much a creep factor because you know, what's, what's coming. Cause you're, in, you're invoking something specific, mm-hmm. but there's still that, that feeling behind it, you know, that's, yeah. a little, that's a little off because it's, you know, it's a different energy than, than what we're used to dealing with. And yeah. So, I mean, okay, sure. It, it, sure. It can feel creepy, but it can just be a, you know, a prisoner being like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Like, why did you walk <laughs> in here willingly? You know, I mean, I'll chat with you, but why are you here? Well, and that's the thing, like, I, I think what most annoys me at times is when, when, people investigate places like hospitals or prisons or, or former asylums or even poor houses and whatnot. And they, they talk about people being touched or grabbed or scratched or, or seeing strange things. And they automatically associate, well, it must be a negative entity yeah. when it's like, you, you also have to take into account the people who were there. And we don't even know if we're dealing with intelligent hauntings, we could be dealing with residual hauntings yeah. and just the build up energy. But a lot of times these were people who, and the other thing is, is usually people go very negative, like, well, these people were like abused and harm and it was bad. And it's like, yes, there were bad times at these places, but it wasn't 24 seven. And sometimes these people, this was their home. This is all they knew. Doesn't make them a bad person. And when when we focus more on the negative aspects of it and it's like i'm not sure like if you were talking to someone directly it's like hey tell me all the bad things that happened to you yeah they would totally want to open up about that (laughs) yeah exactly i'm gonna pause for a second Mm -hmm. and we're back so i i guess there's um there's got to be you know plenty of factors that go into that mentality like I know fear cells, you know, just like mm-hmm. sex cells, fear cells, we all like okay. being afraid. I mean, it's good marketing, whether it's for a show, because those are good sound bites, or for mm-hmm. a group that does, you know, paranormal investigation tours. But there's also, you know, that's got to be one factor. But if you have sort of like a a, a narrow scope of, you know, the spirit world like say from a christian background Mm -hmm. where there's you know angels and and devils and that's pretty much it if you have no concept of of you know different land spirits and 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 whatnot and 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 then if you just don't have real i mean it's it's weird to say like someone that's been you know ghost hunting for 20 years to say like if you don't have a lot of experience working with spirits but the way like you know, you and I and other um, magical practitioners work with spirits. And Mm -hmm. like I was saying earlier, when you're invoking something benevolent, there's still that, that, um, that energy that's, that, that can be kind of overwhelming and a little Mm -hmm. unsettling. So if if you don't have that in your background, um, it's, I guess it's easy enough to say like every touch and every moan is is 
something evil, something scary, yeah. something out, out out to get you. And then again, like if you're if you think that this ghost is a prisoner mm. or this ghost is one of uh, the patients from this, you know, mental institution, well, they can't be good people. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's just a narrow, a very narrow um, way of looking at things. Oh, yeah. And um, that was, that's one of the things I found interesting. It's like, because like you said, when you, you invoke something, it's like you definitely feel the presence, you, you, it, the air changes and everything. So like when you have that feeling in a, in a location, it's like, okay, something's possibly here. Don't know what. <laughs> and one of the things I, I think most of the time people like, even whether or not you believe there's actual ghosts or energy or whatever, like half times where most people doing ghost hunter investigations, I like first thing I think they should at least learn is some way to shield or at least to, to how to kind of like get that extra energy off because it's like, People are like, oh my God, things follow me home and and, uh, and all this stuff happens when I get home. It's like, well, did you just kind of like do some sort of cleansing or banishing or clearing or did you put shield like shielding? They're like, what's shielding? I'm like, hmm. okay, yeah. we're going to learn first shielding. Yeah. <laughs> and that was even something I had to learn because honestly, growing up, um, I feel like when I was younger, I definitely had more experiences. As I got older, I feel like I naturally shielded more. Mm-hmm. Because it was just kind of like, well, it's probably not good in school to see something and then you point it out to the teacher and they're like, what are you talking about? So you just kind of cut that part off. And I had to kind of work at not totally bringing down shields, but to kind of like make lessen them so it's not quite like a lead wall. Because right. that was always the running joke. It's like, well, I don't really experience things. The ghosts kind of hit a brick wall when they come to me. Right. So yeah. Yeah. It was something I had to work at to actually start experiencing things or starting to really pick up things. Because most of the time I felt like, well, am I picking up things or am I just agitated because I've had too much coffee tonight because I'm trying to stay awake? <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 And it's one of those like it's not even religious thing or spiritual thing it's one of those I think with like with Michelle it's been really good where they explain it as an energetic thing and since in the paranormal field people know about energy and movie of energy and residual haunting so when you can just break it down to simply energy and you're shielding yourself from this energy from attaching or excess energy because when we're investigating you are giving and taking energy and you might you want to get rid of that excess afterwards too people don't really know that i mean that's probably why half time people feel so either drained after investigation other than the fact it's been like six hours right yeah yeah or buzzed because <laughs> it's like well you just had an energy exchange with a location you might want to like just drain that out a little bit just like ground it out and it would be good <laughs> I always try to think of, um, you know, w- working with magic, spirits, whatever. Mm-hmm. Kind of think of, you know, mundane world um, examples to really simplify what 
I'm talking about, especially to people that don't, mm-hmm. that aren't really conversant in, in the paranormal or the occult or whatnot. And, you know, the idea, you know, especially like, like people that, oh, there's a, a group in town that they do paranormal investigation tours. That sounds like fun. I'm going to go with my friends. Well, these are just normal people. They're not going to know about shielding and, and banishing mm-hmm. and cleansing and, and stuff. Um, and if it sounds, if that kind of talk sounds weird, well, if you roll around in mud, <laughs> you don't get to just stand up and the mud falls off you. You mm-hmm. take that home. Like if you don't wash the mud off you, before going home, you're taking the mud home with you. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. If you're rolling around in in these energies, yeah, you know, you can certainly take some home with you. And it doesn't mean it's a demon that went home with you. It's just yeah. it's just energy, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm already have my my home pretty well shielded and everything so naturally show from anything coming in because like when doing rituals and doing magic you just you you want to be aware of what's coming in what's going out and and everything and so when i would do investigations and coming home i i never i would have weird dreams here there but i never really had full-on experience where people were like oh my goodness i went home and things started flying off my shelves i didn't really have that and the other thing I noticed too, since I already was working with magic and knew about that, I already knew how to ground out. And honestly, most of the time for me grounding out was, well, we were running around old places and I would take a shower just because it'd be like covered in dust and dirt and who knows right. what else. And you just naturally ground out through the shower. And so whatever might have been clinging on just kind of like whoosh is good. Yeah. But I never really consciously thought of that. It was just more like, well, I have the shield up and then you just take a shower and like, oh, look, we just get rid of that muck. Yeah. But for for people like us that, mm. that practice magic, it's it should be, you know, after a certain point, it should be something that isn't necessarily consciously done. Yeah. Because it's just, it's a, a normal part of our, experience where you can do that subconsciously and it doesn't have to be done in you know in a full-blown sort of ritual format oh yeah i mean as much as i love my you know the pomp and circumstance of very formal ritual that's not that's fine when Mm -hmm. you're doing that you know in your ritual space but magic also needs to be practical Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, if, if magic didn't have um, any practical applications, um, I don't know how useful magic would be at the end of the day. So you have, you know, you with experience, you yeah. know, um, you should get to that point where, you know, you, you start to naturally ground and shield. Mm-hmm etc 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 but I mean that's that's us like that's what we do like that's our world you know there's mm-hmm. I'm sure there's plenty <clears throat> plenty of paranormal investigators out there that have no you know they, they don't see any 
connection with the occult. And then, you know, just the people doing it just for a night's entertainment, you know, joining a uh, a tour mm. a, with a paranormal, you know, investigating team. They're not necessarily going to, you know, have that body of knowledge. Oh, yeah. And uh, I know for myself, it was one of those things when... I'd be talking to someone and they would ask about, well, how do you, do, have you ever had something follow you home or how do you, what do you do after investigation? I actually had to like sit and think about like, how do I go through the process? Because like you said, it becomes so natural. You just, there is almost a cool down after investigation. And um, I don't think people really think about that, that it's like there should be a cool down because honestly, if you do investigation one after the other, you kind of burn yourself out if you don't have any cool down in between or if you don't have that grounding time and it doesn't even have to be anything major ritual. It could be just sitting down with a like cup of tea and just decompressing yeah. for a moment. That could be your grounding out. How, what was the time interval between the um all of like your time on paranormal state um all of the um episodes all of those investigations what was the like what was the the filming time for each season i remember because it was pretty tight because i i want to say we would film like winter to spring we would have some downtime during the summer and then we would jump back into the fall and the thing would be we would have pretty tight filming times where basically one weekend after another we would be off somewhere filming okay, okay. and so if we were back home at our office it was like if we weren't filming we were preparing to film right or we were researching for the next like two episodes so it was like constant like if we weren't filming here, we were preparing for the film or we were going to location to then film and so on and so forth. So there would be chunks of time where there would be downtime, but the actual filming process was pretty tight. Right. So during uh, the filming uh, time for each season, mm. so was it basically like, like, a, like a full-time job? Like, because you were, you're still doing stuff in preparation for the next three days of filming yeah. so it it was it, like it it took it was a- pretty much a full-time like we were definitely a full-time job where there was a time where i remember we would head out somewhere we would film um actually what i always find funny is like i traveled a lot but i saw mostly hotels and yeah and actual <laughs> places because yeah. like oh you were all over the place like yes i saw the location I saw maybe a library historical society and I saw the hotel. <laughs> that was about as much travel as, as, as seeing the sites as I got. Yeah. And there would be times where I felt like where we would film, maybe like film a couple places. Where if we were really tired, come home, I would basically unload my suitcase, throw in the wash and then load it right back up. And just, I, I lived out of that suitcase for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of thought that it was it would mm. be all you know packed into a condensed. Oh yeah, I'm there. It is so cold sometimes. Oh yeah, I bet. I you know I look at some of these shows, and I don't have, like um 
which what show is it? Oh, Destination Fear. They're always oh. in the snow and they're always mm -hmm. bundled up in in um uh mitts and, and winter coats. I'm like, why? Like yeah. why? I I I don't understand why well, was... do this throughout the winter and not like oh, so cool. summer or the fall or something. It doesn't well, there would be times too where we'd be in location and we'd be in a house, but it didn't have any electricity or heat. So it would be even colder than was outside. And there were times mm -hmm. like we would have a heater. And I swear there were moments where I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm just I'm gonna sit on this heater because I'm so freaking cold. I don't care. <laughs> I don't get it. I well, I guess I don't know. Maybe television people don't like maybe they like their summers off. I don't know. I don't well, know. The, yeah the only thing i can figure is just that's how the they're the the uh, filming schedule for the year of a season because most time most seasons i think would be released around spring or summer so we had the the film before then and there was a tight turnaround between filming to editing to getting it ready and then releasing it and everything yeah yeah Ugh. <laughs> it's weird i i don't know it's weird i just I don't I don't understand all of these shows, you know, doing all of their, you know, uh, all of their investigations in, in wintertime. That just doesn't make sense to me. Like, it can't be comfortable, you know, like if, if, if you're so cold, um, especially like when my feet get cold, once my feet are cold, I'm done because I can't focus on it. I can't not ignore yeah. that. Um, so well, especially if you're sitting in one spot and you're supposed to be like asking questions and I'm like my teeth are chattering or something like right. I can't focus at that point I'm like I'm too cold I can't think straight well that's the, like I couldn't focus on anything I, mm -hmm. I I would wonder if I was missing um if I was missing a lot uh, mm -hmm. of of um visual or or audible evidence because because yeah. like, all i'm thinking about is how cold and miserable i am oh i probably missed stuff just because i was focusing on like okay can we move around or do something because i cannot stay in this one position forever yeah 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 and it was but it was still at the same time it was quite it was it was miserable moments but it was still fun too because i loved going to the location especially if we got to go to historical locations and everything and we would have just walking around them. It was just mm. always fascinating. And yeah, but yeah, I would put on so many layers just to keep warm. Right. And plus you're with your friends. I mean, at the end oh, of the yeah. day, you're also just, you know, hanging out with your mm. friends, having adventures with your friends. And that's just, you All know, right. fantastic. Well, okay. So I'm glad luckily with the newer shows, they are showing it more now, but What's what I always found kind of an annoying was the fact that they always wanted it's very serious, like mm -hmm. be serious. And yes, there are moments when you're talking to the clients and you're talking about stuff. Yes, there are serious moments um, and everything. But when we were investigating, our normal selves would be cracking jokes, like not going like outrageous, but we would be a little more light or cracking And they were like, no, you gotta be serious again. Because it was one of those like, why were, because most of the time, I swear, most of our evidence we got would be when we weren't actively looking, when we right. were just sitting around talking to each other 
in space, that's when stuff would actually happen. Instead of when we were trying to focus on like, get something to talk, it was when we were actually relaxed and just taking in the space and, and, and just not even talking about the case. We'd be talking about like, what where we wanted to go for dinner or what we wanted to do or or just like how was your day and that's when stuff would more likely happen when we weren't even focusing on the the environment really yeah 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 and i think that's where you can see the progression or the evolution of these shows because again you were one of the first and mm. i i think you know there was a very clear expectation at least originally of of what the show should be like and what it should look like yeah. you know when when um michelle had had mentioned the the sort of like um you know trying to fit you guys into like uh buffy the vampire slayer mode you know that that group of of weirdos everyone yeah. you know everyone's some some, some pop culture reference <laughs> yeah they, they have their different things um watching the show after that mm -hmm. i was like i can see i can see what michelle's saying but it also made me focus more on everyone in the show because i'm kind of looking for those references and I find that the show kind of made you guys devoid of personalities. Like it was so about the investigation. Yeah. That it was just quiet time, listening for evidence, reviewing, you know what I mean? Where, mm. where now, you know, with a lot of the shows, um, a lot more of the investigators' personalities um, are included in it, and oh yeah, well, yeah. if you if you look at like say Ghost Hunters and everything, it was much more evidence driven, much more uh, tech driven, and everything, and trying to either debunk it or trying to recreate it and everything. And there was definitely more emphasis on the the personalities of the investigators and. The interactions with them because i remember there was definitely much more focus on how they were together in finding this evidence but with our show it felt like watching it i think it was much more client driven mm -hmm. where it was more on the how the client was dealing with the haunting how they felt and then what we could do to either um, find like an answer or give advice because a lot of times it would end up being like, okay, this is what we found and this is how we think you can go about it. Now what's always interesting is most of the time we would we'd give them advice on really this, we would either do a cleansing or, or bring a priest in or something in that nature. But a lot of times we had to also talk to them to Help them learn basically how to establish ground rules with whatever right. was in house and that was always something that just they understood the idea of bringing a priest in or or some some spiritual person to take care of it but when we're like okay we need you to set the ground rules we need you to talk to it and to establish your boundaries they're like 
wait, I can talk to this thing or like, I'm like, yes, this is no. your place. We cannot be here 24 seven. You need to set up the ground rules of where, whether or not it's allowed to stay, where it can, it cannot go. And that just like, apparently just blew people's minds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's interesting too, because, you know, you have these people living with whatever's going on in, yeah. in, their, in their homes and they don't come from a paranormal occult background. Mm -hmm. They may have originally been skeptics mm -hmm. or just have never really given that much thought about ghosts and spirits and whatnot, but now they're experiencing it, but they still can't, and this this is understandable. Um, they they still can't um, get to that point on their own where they're like, okay, something is in my house, mm -hmm. I, I, and it's interacting by touching me, moving things, making noises. But they can't take that leap. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Lux Files. I'm not just the host of this podcast. I'm also the owner of Lalo Gonzalez. I make beeswax and scented spell candles, loose stick and liquid incense, anointing rolls and bath salts. So once you're done listening to this episode, why don't you head on over to my website at www.laylokanzawan.com and check out my products. For your convenience, the link to the website is also in the show notes. To, oh, well, if they're interacting with the space, they're interacting with me by touching me. Shouldn't they be able to hear what I'm saying? Shouldn't yeah. I be able to talk to them and say, you know, like I said, set boundaries and ground mm -hmm. rules and whatnot. I, I get how they can't make that leap on their own, but it's fascinating at the same time that they accept that something is going on, but they can't make that leap on their own. Yeah. And honestly, for myself, that was one of the, I guess, realization for myself, because growing, like, I experienced little things here and there growing up, um, odd things and whatnot. So it was very normal for me. So mm -hmm. when we would go to a place and they would tell us what was happening and and everything, I would look at them like, well, that's not very odd or that's not so big of a deal. But then I would have to step back going like, okay, so that's not too much to me because I experienced strange stuff. But for people who maybe never grew up in a haunted house or really experiencing stuff, this is like breaking their world <laughs> yeah yeah even exactly. just the smallest things of like something moving or hearing a voice or hearing a noise like that's just breaking like the fourth wall for them that they can yeah. they're not dealing with so that's something i had to kind of step back in and kind of learn like okay my bar might be up here but most people bars are not that high up <laughs> yeah just because they don't have the experience but also too people with certain backgrounds like it doesn't even fit into their belief system mm -hmm. you know so oh, yeah. there, there's that extra challenge for them mm -hmm. you know having to accept that something that isn't supposed to exist or isn't supposed to occur, occur is actually occurring to me 
Well, the weirder, the, the ones I found more unusual was when we would go into a place and we would investigate and we found more or less natural explanations for the, the noises or we would find like, well, there's, there's no unusual history here. There's nothing strange here. And we can explain 80% of this stuff. That's used, um, it was very strange when people didn't like that answer. Like mm -hmm. it was, even though stuff was freaking out, they'd rather it be something supernatural than something naturally that can be explained. Right. And th to me, that was like, wait, I would think you'd be happy the fact like, oh yeah, it's just like the the electric lines outside that are causing strange noises or like you might want to get your your plumbing fixed or something like that. Or like you have e, um, EMF field going off or something. But they just didn't like the idea that it was something natural, that it wasn't something supernatural because sometimes with the clients there would be maybe interpersonal things going on and they would rather it be something supernatural to explain that right 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 yeah because i mean you know uh bad plumbing can mm -hmm. make all the racket in the world but bad plumbing isn't going to cause interpersonal friction yeah you know so yeah i guess that uh that makes sense it's weird you know, oh, yeah. it's weird, but I mean, we're also humans. Like, I mean, we're mm -hmm. not, we're, you know, we're not rational people. We do crazy oh, yeah. things, you know. Well, and like with the paranormal field itself, um, like we were talking earlier about like trying to explain something, like do trying to do it scientifically. And it's not that easy because how we do it is not really scientific all that times. So, when you take someone's evidence, like if someone posts some evidence and then they're like, hey, check this out. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to ask you a thousand questions. And then people take it personally when they're like, but don't you just believe it? I'm like, well, you're posting something you're calling evidence. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to actually analyze it to see if it's like something explainable or something unusual? Or do you just want to like show me this interesting picture you took? Because if it's just that cool, I will happily look at your, your interesting pictures. But they take it very personally if you actually start asking them like, well, what camera did you take? When did you take it? Was there any flashes? Was there this? Was there that? And they're like, do you think I'm lying? Like, no, I'm trying to find out what's going on. I'm not calling you a liar. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they they think they they have they found something special, you know. Yes, yeah. and and they wanted to be special. And you know what? That's fine. Like, if, if you don't want if you don't want it, you know, analyzed or you know, you know, rationally. Mm you know, looked at, that's fine. Just say so though. I mean, post it and say, I got a picture of a ghost um, and I believe it's a ghost and I'm just showing you this picture of a ghost and I don't want your opinion on why it's not a ghost. Mm -hmm. well, just I mean, so, like, that's fine. Nothing yeah, because like as soon as someone finds out I investigate and everything, as soon as someone finds out I'm in paranormal in some manner, there's always a ghost story. They always have, they have a ghost story. They live in the haunted house. They grew up in a haunted house. Their grandma had a haunted house. Someone had a haunted house. So right. they always have a cool, they always have a cool story to tell me. 
and I love hearing ghost stories. I love hearing everyone's stories. It's it's one of my favorite things, folklore and everything. But I've come to kind of realize that I should probably preference usually before they start, like, okay, I will admit my investigator brain will be on. So do you want me just to hear a cool story or do you want me to start asking you questions about what it could actually be or or like the details of it? <laughs> and you know, yeah. And if you want to truly believe this ghost story from your grandmother's old house without evidence, without mm. scrutiny, that's fine. That, that's oh, yeah. fine. Just tell me. Oh yeah, I have family ghost stories. Like, and I even look at those like as like there's possibly an explanation, but they're also cool family ghost stories yeah. where it's like, yeah, there's probably something naturally that happened, but this is just a cool story to tell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just like with um mythology. Mm -hmm. You know, uh take any mythology, any mythical tale from whatever culture. It didn't happen. Mm -hmm um or even you know uh let's take something more modern day the history of the golden dawn or of uh wicca the the you know uh modern witchcraft you know all of the you know made up origin story <laughs> you can you can accept them as myth mm -hmm. know that they're not real but still sort of incorporate them into your life. You know, oh, like, yeah. like I, I don't, uh, I, well, I was just going to say, obviously, but there might be people um, out there that, um, you know, like with the Rosicrucians, with uh, Chris Burris and Kreutz, like his whole mythology, I know he's not, he wasn't buried in a tomb um and his body didn't decompose you know like i i know all this but i kind of approach my magical practice as if it's true mm -hmm. it's okay to to have stories that may not necessarily be true that are still part of you it's yeah. okay you know, it's, well, it's definitely okay. But let me know, because when, when you when you want to tell me your story, mm -hmm. I'm assuming you're coming to me as an occultist and you want my opinion. Mm -hmm. So definitely preface this conversation <laughs> by saying, don't analyze it. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you a cool story. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. I honestly, I love researching the history of the occult, especially... Um, the early 20th century uh, Western called and just how many layers and how many like twists and turns and what I find fascinating is like if you like look at like any of the cult or pagan or witchcraft books especially from the 80s and 90s you'll see so much origin stories of like like I especially love like apparently Wicca is is like 5,000 year old unbroken yeah. practice and all this stuff and it's like yeah no yeah. but it's one of those where if you look at the history of western magic and of especially the introduction of Gardarian and Alexandrian and all those branches and everything and them spinning these tales 
they weren't doing it out of maliciousness because everyone, when people started seeing like the reality of where these were coming from, they're like, oh my goodness, these people were making up these horrible lies. It's like, no, they may have been making mythos. Yeah. But they were also in a way, if you look at where, where it was in that period, they were also trying to, in some ways, legitimize their practice because everyone thinks, well, it is easier to believe that something is like 500 years old as an actual practice than say maybe only 50 years old. Yeah. And they were also kind of threading together all these different like practices that may have been in existence, but were from different pieces and they were pointed all together into one. And they now had to explain, well, how does this work and where did this come from? So I find that more fascinating, almost more, the, the truth is stranger than the fiction. It <laughs> absolutely <lot> <laughs> is. You know, when you actually study and research, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the occult, like the, the history of the occult, and if you want, uh, th- this is just my opinion, take it or leave it. If you want, you know, history, um, you don't really go with your occult slash witchcraft slash magic, whatever authors, mm-hmm. you know, um, they're not historians, they're not academics. Mm-hmm you know go to to the people that actually like this is what they do for a living you know historian i specialize in you know uh researching the history of the western esoteric tradition whatever Mm -hmm. um because then they actually do research and when you look at you know modern day occultism and its history going back, you know, even just into the um, um, 19th century. Yeah. It's a lot more fascinating than oh. the, than the uh, made up origin stories because, because now we're dealing with real people mm-hmm. um, that are complex. They're not just one dimensional people that, um, created something amazing yeah and you're not really giving them full credit in a way Mm -hmm. because you're you're creating this this origin story that goes back five thousand years (laughs) instead um i you know i'm glad we're you know we're for the most part we're getting out of that um you know, my biggest, one of my biggest pet peeves is um, connecting the the witch hunts of early modern Europe to um, witchcraft and paganism for quite a few different reasons. Like number mm-hmm. one, they weren't witches, they were Christians. Mm-hmm. They would not want to be labeled as witches and they probably don't want to be your poster witches um yeah and these were these were people accused of heresy and everything yeah and you know um because we know they you know this 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 vast satanic 
you know, mm-hmm. movement in, in Europe at that time didn't actually happen. These mm-hmm. people weren't witches. Um, and the majority of them weren't even sort of like um, holdover pagans, really. Like these yeah. were, you know, church going good Christians, you know? So mm-hmm. first of all, they wouldn't appreciate being your witchcraft poster people <laughs> um but through my you know back in the 80s and 90s you know all of the books you pick up any book on on wicca and talk about the burning times and nine mm-hmm. million people burned at the stake and of course you know then you go to the academics that have spent their entire lives studying the the you know witch trials and whatnot and it's more like 150,000 accused Mm -hmm. over the same time period um and like half of that number actually being executed so definitely not nine million killed um number one but number two so I'm like well where did this myth come from And I traced it back as far as Nazi Germany. It was Nazi propaganda. Yeah. And I'm like, these people are now, to their credit, not realizing they're just, you know, propagating Nazi propaganda, but they're propagating Nazi propaganda, Mm -hmm. you know, with this, this 9 million number, because the Nazis, like there was the pagan Nazis that wanted, you know, when they um, uh, declared war on Europe, like they wanted to create a, a mm. restored Anglo pagan society, pagan mm. religion. So that was part of their their propaganda. The the Christian Church and of course the Jews were actually mm-hmm. behind the Christian church had slaughtered all of our pagan ancestors, all, all of that lost blood. You know what I mean? And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So and you had um, a lot of the occultists and you had even the, the Soleil group. And then of course you had the, yeah, there was, and the thing I find interesting is with the actual, like the, the witch hunts and everything, and they were being accused of heresy. And then people connected, apparently the only witch trial we ever had in America was the Salem witch trials. Apparently that was it, which is not true. There were lots of witch, smaller witch trials all over the place. And, and that was the only one. But the other thing which was strange is that Salem was a kind of an outlier compared to the actual witch trials in Europe, because in Europe you would have, if you were accused of heresy and you confess going, yes, you were most likely let free because then you like confess your sins and all that. Whereas in Salem, if you confess, yes, most likely you would be executed. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very unusual. And, but yeah, everyone trying to trace it back to that one thing, which is like, you know, but Yeah, the 80s and 90s Pagan Witch books talked a lot about that. And you have today people then trying to say, well, then these books aren't good. It's like, no, these books still have usefulness. These books still have knowledge in them. It's one of those, you just have to look at it with a much more discerning eye of like, okay, we'll talk, we'll 
go with the magic and the how-to, but you might want to gloss over the history yeah. part. I mean, you know, time and place. You gotta, mm. you gotta realize uh, um, time and place. You know, yeah. um, uh, the Satanic Panic was very mm. much a thing, and it was important to. Well, I mean, there were so many reasons to create this false history, um, but. And, and that's where, you know, also to paganism became really whitewashed and yeah. love and, and witchcraft, mm-hmm. you know, very whitewashed and love and light because, you know, some of the more, you know, questionable things, mm-hmm. you know, we can do at times, again, in the 80s and 90s, when the satanic panic was an actual thing, mm-hmm. um, wasn't, probably wasn't the best idea to put these in books you know like they were creating a very harmless sort of tradition um because well I mean if you look at like say if you look at any of the witchcraft books or the occult books from like even just the 1670s which I love collecting like the just the little paper books and everything Mm -hmm. there is such a big difference in how they, how the magic they you know, practice, uh, talking about Pan, Goathead God, and talking about the goddess and lunar goddess. And there's still some kind of personal mythos being created, but not as hard. And, but there's, there's, you don't see the, the, the um, Wiccan Reed or the yeah. Return Back Three, uh, Law Three or anything like that. You don't see the stuff you would see later in eight. Like there's such a huge difference between 60s and 70s witchcraft and then 80s and 90s because I remember where people were starting to use the word Wicca instead of witch because even though the person may not be a might be might not even be practicing Wicca they realized it was like Wicca was the safer word was the like the good witch yeah we're just we're we're Wicca we're the nice ones yeah (laughs) we're the good witches we're the white witches not the black witches it was honestly some ways it was an easier way to like kind of bypass things where someone's like well what do you practice and you just instead of going into all the nuances because so many of us is not a cut and dry answer would just be like oh i'm wiccan yeah and you just leave as soon as you just said that you're like oh you're the good witch okay yeah. cool and yeah. just leave at that <laughs> yeah again you know this was the 80s and 90s it mm. was you know it was a different time and yeah. using the word witch was um you know depending on where you lived mm. um was you know probably not a good idea and even pagan you know a lot of the you know very high and mighty christians are um very well aware of the word pagan Mm -hmm. and you know and of course they just associate that with with satanism as well so when you so you here's this word wicca which is a legitimate word it's not like someone just made it up um in a book in 1993 and even if they did it doesn't make an illegitimate word it's just this is my new tradition called wicca if that's you know if that was the case but here's this this word wicca that doesn't have any negative connotations to it in mundane society because no one knows what wicca 
is. Yeah. So yeah, it was a safe word. And so every book on neo-paganism was Wicca. Every, yep. you know, and it just... Like, even if it said witchcraft, it was usually more likely you see the structure of it was obviously either Alexandrian Wicca or Gardnerian Wicca, yeah. some flavor and everything. And it was one of those, like, even today, there's still ripple effects of that, of trying to, because you see people kind of down, like, going like, oh, I'm not Wiccan, I'm witch. And, and it's not, and it's one of those things where Wicca is, is a practice all its own and yeah. a branch all its own and everything is not a bad thing. Yeah. It was just a softer, easier way. And like you said, the satanic panic, and then you had 90s movies coming out about witches and everything. And people more times than not would associate anything with magic from what they would see in a Hollywood movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember getting so many questions when people, when, <laughs> when I came, more or less came out in high school as officially like a witch, everyone's like, oh my goodness. Of course they would associate with any of the movies. They're like, oh, can you fly? Can you do this? I'm like, no, that's the movie. <laughs> Would I be here if I could? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, when so when the I want to get back to the show. I, okay, I'm going to circle back around to this conversation. <laughs> but I I had a question in my head and I completely forgot um, what it was until right now. So I'm going to ask you this: Getting back to your time on the show, mm -hmm. you had um, like like a certain I'm just going to say like a uh, like a level of celebrity you know, people recognizing you, you know, from the show. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't mean, you know, paparazzi chasing that. I don't mean that, but <laughs> just like people, rec people recognizing you from the show. Yeah. Did you, did you feel any sort of, um, I don't want to say obligation, but to people... Oh, I don't know. See, I, I, I know what I want to ask, but I don't know how to ask this question. Did you feel a sort of, okay, you know what? We're in the public eye. Um, we have a level of responsibility to educate people, you yeah. know, make sure they understand, you know, what paranormal is what paranormal investigation is like did it take on extra meaning because people are recognizing you on the street and you know you you want them to you know understand correctly you know and and no you know paranormal investigation with gloss or you know um you know spook factor <laughs> or just for marketing you know what i mean oh yeah um it, it was one of those, I mean, first off, it was very strange because I'll admit I'm not always good with names with people. So if someone walked up to me and they're like, oh, hey, Elfie, and they start talking, what's going through my brain is like, do I know you? Do I remember you? Have we talked before? Have we met before? Yeah. So I'm like running this through my brain and it finally clicks like, okay, I think this is just from the show. This is where you see me. Yeah. But usually they would ask various things. And I did feel personal because I knew there was only so much you can show on the show mm -hmm. and they would ask me a question and I would try to answer as honestly as possible. Like, well, it takes a little longer than that, or we have to check this out or they'll ask about my personal practice or something like that. So I did feel a little, 
I like talking about the paranormal in general, so I was happy to talk about that now. Like I said before, like if someone would tell me a ghost story or tell me their experience, I was never sure. It's like, are you telling me this because you know I'm into paranormal or are you asking for advice? And most of the time, I would at least preference with them like, well, I'm not at the location, so I can't tell you definitely what it is, but you might want to check this, this, and maybe research that. <laughs> I think also what would be different now, I think, too, is that social media wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, like Facebook started in what, 2007, I think? Yeah, Facebook started to end. Before that was like MySpace and everything. Yeah. yeah there was Social no Twitter, was like there was no Instagram, there's no TikTok. So, I mean, there's, there's less, Goodness. There's, there's, yeah, there's less of, um, that, you know, um, mm -hmm. having to be like out there on social media and whatnot. So, you know, I guess, you know, maybe you guys were a little insulated from, from that well, as well. Oh yeah. And I think like YouTube had just started. It was, that was pretty new too. Yeah. So there wasn't yet really um, any, anyone really doing anything on YouTube yet other than the vlogs or whatever. Yeah. Um, so most of the time when we were talking to people or doing discussions or doing, it would be usually at conventions or conferences, we would go to do like Q and A's or I would, uh, I started doing like, would do lectures and we would usually do lectures on like how to start your own uh, paranormal group or how to become a paranormal investigator or we would talk about certain cases and everything or how to analyze evidence. So even though we couldn't give all the information in the show, we felt at least with the talks and discussions we could at least start educating people who were fans of our show because once the show was started we definitely noticed more people gain into wanting to make groups or join groups and get into ghost hunting as well and so we're like okay you want to do this like here's some tips on how to do this and how to get into it and everything yeah you guys i think got the the benefit of being public figures without the bullshit because now <laughs> like you know if you were doing the show now and you post something on twitter you know there's going to be you know the negative comments you know like just the the stupid comments that people make just for the sake of making stupid comments oh yeah, yeah. i mean so, i yeah. see the, the shows that do now have to do social media where they have to do instagram and twitter and, and whatnot and it's like oh my goodness yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can only imagine that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're kind of lucky there that you don't, you know, you got all the, because, you know, if you're doing conventions, people are coming to the convention because mm. the fans, they're interested in the field, you know, yeah. so you're interacting with like minded individuals as opposed to, you know, Twitter and, you know, you have an exciting, announcement and you're so happy and you're so proud of yourself and then you get some you know jerk off king 93 make <laughs> a, a comment like uh, uh your show sucks <laughs> well what don't you like about my show well i've never watched it oh okay you know like oh <laughs> you know but that's well, i mean we when we finally, I think when we finally did have like um, Facebook and such, and I think when Twitter finally came up, I mean, we did get our fair share here and there of trolls and such, but it wasn't too, 
it would def it wasn't definitely to the level that you see today yeah. yeah of the the comment section like when they say don't read the comment section yeah don't read the comments right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Don't. Ugh. I, I, <laughs> I you know i I, I don't know. Love-hate relationship. Just like with politicians, I look at social media the same way as politicians. Love-hate. Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's... it's fun interacting with people, but I hate social media. And I don't even attempt to uh, have intelligent conversation on <laughs> social media. There's no point. There's, there's oh, yeah. absolutely no point in mm -hmm. attempting to have an intelligent conversation on oh i've i've had to learn to like step away because there were times where someone make a some smart ass remark and i want to like type a remark and be like okay or just or just going to walk away because you know you know it's time they make the comment and they're off somewhere else they they don't care they just made their remark and now they, they made their burn and they're good <laughs> yeah you know that's the thing and you know that's all that you know they're 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 making shitty comments just for the sake of making shitty comments yeah. and that was their objective so they're fine it's now out of their head they're mm -hmm. they, they've gone off to to have dinner you're the one stewing in it and you're like yeah don't because they don't care they don't care yeah. they're done they're not even thinking about the comment they just posted 30 seconds ago Oh yeah, a lot of people have had to learn. I mean, I have had to learn too. Like, like the block button is the best button. <laughs> just, just block. Just don't even entertain it. Just block it and done, be done with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I would. Um, I think I would use the block button more if I were like I started my Twitter and my Instagram more for my business, mm -hmm. and it's just not my thing like but also too i mean like i i spend so much time my days are just completely consumed in making candles and incense and oils and there are days where i'm at it for like 14 hours i don't have time to be <laughs> a content creator or to um you know uh these people that will you know oh just remember that the moon loves you just the way you are. I don't have time to do shit like that. So I don't, um, I, I don't get a lot of like, um, assholes, um, mm -hmm. like uh, commenting on what I post just because I just like retweet and I'll, I'll, you know, post pictures of, of, you know, an order that someone just placed and, you know, all the candles are, are like laid out on the table, ready to be packed up. Um, I think if I was more like putting my personality into my social media, yeah. that I would use the block button more because I I'm sure that's you know I would be getting like actual like shitty comments well, but not. Yeah, it's it's when you start more interacting with the, the with people, and it's one of those it's it's one of those catch twenty two because on one hand you want you like I've interacted with you every once in a while like at this point if there's so, someone who makes a post where I'm like yeah that was a that was not really nice I'll honestly ignore their posts and just like answer the ones be nice and everything and just like yeah you don't exist to me mm. and if you're it's one of those like it's a the, the catch 22 where it's like if you interact more of course you're going to get the the trolls and everything 
and you just try not to feed the trolls, but you also want to actually interact with the people who actually are being nice and you yeah. want to have a conversation with. And it's trying to find that balance and also the balance of knowing when to like, okay, we've been posting for a little bit. Let's, let's step away and go back to the real world for a bit and do things and not have this entirely consume us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Would you go back to um, doing... Um, uh like if, if someone approached you to do a paranormal investigation show would you go back to doing stuff like that oh totally i mean it's it's one of those it was a lot of fun even when it was like there was it was rough travel or or staying at hotels or just like the the very long hours and everything but it was still lots of fun because i think now I would know probably how to not let myself get burned out so fast and everything. And honestly, I would I have so many more ideas of like what I would want to do in investigating and everything. Yeah, I would totally do it. Yeah. <laughs> honestly. So like, like even with all the rough stuff, I would totally do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause it, it's in your blood. Like it's it's one oh, of yeah. the, this isn't just uh a thing or a hobby, like mm -hmm. it's something that's 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 in your blood. But you didn't have any because you're talking about like being cold and and the travel yeah. and the exhaustion. That's not something that like puts you off the experience. Yeah. It was one of those like it it kind of comes with the territory, really. Um, and it's I think the thing that people forget sometimes, like, yeah, especially if you're doing um public places or historical places it is not glamorous at all yeah and so i know don't expect it to be glamorous at yeah, all yeah, yeah like it's 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 like one step away from camping honestly right. sometimes. <laughs> right. um well I, in my case that's quite a few steps away from camping <laughs> <laughs> because uh my my version of camping i think is quite different um <clears throat> Yeah, I, I think it's funny because, you know, going back to um, the, the the Facebook live of uh, the Haunted Salem event and mm -hmm. all of these experts, I was fortunate enough to have like 2,700 um, witch queens and high adepts um, <laughs> to really teach me in the comments what... <laughs> investigation and magic is like so i felt really for, i felt really fortunate there and all these people oh travel channel give me a show uh, you know i can i i do the same stuff or i can do this better blah 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 <laughs> i think you know it's just like when i used to travel for work and i'd be in a different city every day and like mm -hmm. you like like i see the airport the hotel mm. yeah the airport then the hotel and my friends are like, oh, you're so lucky. I love traveling. I'm like, this isn't travel. This is this travel is, for work. When you travel. This is commuting from one place to another. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, anytime you travel, like, because it's because you're on vacation. Mm -hmm. But that's not my life. Like, I'm trying to explain to them, like, I'm like being in an airport, being on an airplane. That's my commuting time. And then I still have to work and put yeah. in day's work and then go into a hotel mm. and it's not my bed. It's not my pillow, mm. you know, um, and like this, yeah, this isn't, this isn't 
traveling, this is work. So I think people just like, oh, well, they're on television, they're, they're world <laughs> in money, you know, and, and um, yeah. doing fun paranormal investigating. And I'm like, but are they? I, I actually learned from all the travel that I learned how to downsize and know exactly what I want to take with me and make sure it's all carry on. Yeah. yeah. I learned real quick, just carry on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Like I started with like, I remember first season I had like this huge suitcase that I would have checked in because I had no idea what to wear. I don't know what to wear and everything, 10,000 things. And like by the end of it, I like this little suitcase carry on the bare essentials things i don't have to worry about so much take it with me take it on the plane off the plane there we go <laughs> yeah 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 um uh, michelle was telling me about one episode you guys were out in oregon or washington state or something on some like back road logging road in a truck oh, God. Uh, lost and and everything that was where oregon. we ended up doing um uh uh, two episodes um and episode one with with michelle because mm -hmm. because michelle only had two hours so by the time we got to the two hour mark michelle had just got to that story <laughs> and then it's like oh time's up gotta go so cliffhanger I, yeah <laughs> so we picked up i don't know a month later or whatever uh with uh the second part mm. uh, with that story and it's just it was funny and i think about you know hearing stories like that and then i always think back like i said that experience that i had with haunted salem live with the facebook comments i think about way too much i <laughs> literally that literally probably pops in my head one or one or two times a week if not more <laughs> just because to this day and this was back in 2019 to this day i just found it's these people so amusing but it's so it just you know and michelle's telling me this story and then it i'm i'm thinking about these people on on this facebook live feed oh give me a show give me a show and like travel channels like searching through the comments but like oh they want to show okay get the number <laughs> you know because that's going to happen i'm like yes, yeah. that's, that's how you get discovered <laughs> yeah um i'm like i don't think i i don't think i i don't think it's very glamorous i'm sorry like you're in abandoned buildings it's in the middle of winter i i i don't think there's a cushy vip <laughs> room that we don't see you know uh that never gets yeah. shown just i mean honestly this. with destination fear and they have like the rv they take with them i would love that like this like because we know we were we usually stayed at the location we had to find some place to sleep in there or we would if we were close enough we would have the hotel or something Wait, like you that would, you would actually literally sleep in the locations well there was yeah there was a couple times where the location was large like if it was like I think one of the historical locations we would we could stay there or we would stay at the hotel or we would sleep at the location at times but yeah it was it was never really cushy or anything like if, if there was an rv setup outside that would have been perfect honestly <laughs> i can't i have no idea that you guys would sleep at some of the locations yeah we'd say i mean if we slept <laughs> oh wait no you're saying historical locations like 
when like so i'm thinking abandoned buildings um, yeah sometimes we would they they weren't all abandoned um they would be like not used for what they're kenley is like say like the hospital or west virginia or something like that um i want to say think with the west virginia we did stay at the hotel because it was close enough Try to think if we stayed in the hospital overnight or not. I can't remember. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> but there, there, we would have HQ. So we would have a place where we would have all of our stations set up, where we had the cameras set up and the monitors and everything. And we would have a spot where we could kind of chill or relax because we would like go out, investigate, come back. Uh, take a break and usually when we were in HQ we were like getting coffee or hot cocoa or yeah. or warming up um, but also that'd be time when we would then sit down and go over our audio equipment or go over videos and just kind of already start the process of analyzing for evidence and everything and then like taking a moment to chill before mm -hmm. we go back out there and everything yeah 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 so it'd be an all night thing. We would probably not get out until like five o'clock in the morning or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. No, I thought, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm all, it's obvious like it's not cushy, but I thought, mm -hmm. no, there was definitely a hotel waiting, you know, uh, a warm bed waiting for you guys uh, all the time. Yeah. Well, at the end. I remember the one place we stayed at a cabin. And we actually stayed at the cabin itself because um, it was like so far out in the middle of nowhere. It would it would be like maybe a half hour, 45 minute drive to get to any mm -hmm. hotel or anything. So we just stayed in the cabin because we also figured there were beds there and couches and we just see if we experienced anything that night too or day or whatever. And so that just was just kind of like you get sleeping bags and you're good to go and everything. <laughs> Well, I, I think I, I mean, remember there being cold showers. <laughs> yeah, beds and sofas, though. I mean, that's a bit, you know, that's that's fine. You know, mm -hmm. the, that's that's certainly doable. You know, oh yeah, some comfort ish. You know, in that case, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's fun. Yeah, I yeah, I I think people have a very really have a very different idea of of. Um, I guess the lifestyle yeah. uh, of being a, a television paranormal investigator. I just I think mean, anyone, any, I think most people, like any time anyone sees someone on television, they just think money, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, they're on television. They, they must be rolling in money. You know, I think that I, I think at the end of the day, that's just really what it comes down to. Oh yeah. Cause you, they think like, Oh, you're, you're, celebrity now are you well known and I'm like no not really yeah like yeah. i i i'm people know me if in the in that niche of the paranormal they might recognize me but not as like as a whole <laughs> yeah. yeah which yeah. i'm fine with <laughs> yeah and i think you know um when, when you immerse yourself in you know a a community of cults you mm. know uh paranormal whatever and well in this case like with with um ghost hunting shows and because you know you turn on travel channel and it's morning noon and night ghost hunting shows yeah i think as a fan you can 
kind of get a warped sense of perception and 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 think well you know they're on travel channel every day like all these shows from morning noon and night <laughs> they, they you know like they they got to be like you know a lot more well known into the mundane world and i don't think so i don't i really don't yeah i i think you have to be a fan of these shows oh uh, yeah i mean it's know. it's definitely much more like i i've noticed more people in the general public know of the paranormal know of ghost sending to some extent but mm -hmm. for the most part i think unless it's the spooky season like around september october the halloween season when you see all the the special stuff the general public doesn't really think much about it they they just see the the live ghost hunting sessions or the the um travel channel sessions or the most haunted house specials were not and that's like, like cool spooky and that's their little chunk paranormal and then the rest of the year yeah not so much <laughs> you know so you you can actually go grocery shopping in the grocery store you're not going to get inundated <laughs> with with you know hundreds of people you know no. <laughs> i think i don't know i just i i just i found it amusing it's it's like i said it that sticks in my head and i think about it uh way 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 more than i probably should well also like the the paranormal community like i i noticed it's it's kind of like paranormal community called in the pain like mostly like the paranormal community it's interesting where you have like these layers of you have the the people you'll see on tv and podcasts and shows and stuff that is a very small niche of people that everyone knows everyone else to some extent mm. or at least aware of everyone and then you have outside of that you have like the hardcore paranormal investigators that are like every weekend they have a group and they're doing their thing and they might have their own youtube channel or something and then outside that you have the Eh, weekend every once in a while investigators and then you have the is it halloween cool and that's that's like the layers of it i think yeah yeah i would fall like if we were talking about magic i would fall into that second group i think because mm -hmm. i certainly know you know big name pagan um and well i mean i don't just do magic on the weekends but i mean i'm like I'm pretty hardcore with my magical practice, like like my daily practice. Mm -hmm. uh, like on a good day, it's like three hours. Oh, okay. Um, uh, like a, you know, yeah. I just I, you know I sometimes I think I take it a little too seriously, but I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Yeah. I, I you know I I like that I have a you know I'm really dedicated to my practice to my daily practice. Um, but I'm I'm very pomp and and circumstance um even you know with my solo work so i like going through the whole shebang like you know you know going through the whole like quote unquote trouble of um like robing up and and mm. everything and going through all the the motions yeah so yeah and i i think i i always enjoy that because i the the daily practice in people don't always think about that because they feel like if it's not posted online, then you must not be doing it or something. It's like, I'm probably, I'm doing it. I'm just not showing anyone because it's yeah. my personal practice. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, but, I'm very particular what I show and don't show. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, uh, a friend, my uh, friend of mine, Frater RC, uh, he was mm -hmm. the guy that was 
referencing earlier that joined the Golden Dawn when he was like 15. Sure, it was fit. Yes, it was 15. Um, um, we were having a conversation about this and the people that he has a podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And the people that, you know, like in, in like the, the GD world, that you really want to have on your podcast are the people that don't have Twitter, mm-hmm. don't have Facebook, don't go on podcasts. Like they're completely invisible. And like, these are the hardcore ones doing the work, you know? Yeah. Um, and no, you don't know about it because mm-hmm. they're not you know, posting it all over social media. In a way, I mean, I'm, you know, this is a, certainly a generation, generational thing. Yeah. Um, I, you know, where younger generations, uh, to me, there's like a, a, there's how important social media is mm-hmm. um, and how normal posting every, tidbit of your life is yeah where for me it's it's really it's not you know Mm -hmm. and so I I can't really grasp the idea that legitimacy with your practice comes with being so public about it like like if you're not posting everything about your practice and your magic on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, you're you must not be doing it or you must yeah, not, you're not as authentic. You're not as serious, really. It's it just it's it's just funny how that has totally flipped like that to be silent. Yeah. Is is now, well, if you're not posting your rituals online, you're obviously not actually doing your rituals. You're not yeah. legitimate. You're not an authentic um uh practitioner and that I really can't wrap my my head around there's things you know that that Mm -hmm. I'll 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 post that I have done in the past um nothing really major um you know some things were like you know like um the summer of uh of um 2020 you know, after George Floyd was, was murdered mm-hmm. and, you know, the arraignments of the, of the police and whatnot, um, just as kind of like a, like as a motivation to anyone, this is like, do, do something for justice, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but otherwise, um, I think mate, like I'll sometimes post pictures of the altar after a Sabbath ritual mm-hmm. that my group and I does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I I leave it at that. Well, I noticed that it it definitely I agree. It's that that feeling these days where if you don't if you don't post enough images or pictures of your work or of your practice, then you must not be doing enough of it or know enough of it or anything. Um, whereas it used to be, I feel like if you weren't able to recite enough documents or no the the no backwards and forwards like the live arrest or something or or be able to do the rituals yeah. <laughs> everything and prove 
that, then it didn't count. And it feels like almost now it's it's that similar idea of having to prove it, but now you have to prove it through visual documentations or videos or something to show like, look, I'm, I'm doing the work, even though you can be doing the work and everything, doesn't mean you need to post a picture about it. Yeah, it's, it's almost like I need to show a picture of my food to show that I've eaten today or something. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> like, credit, I will post pictures of my food mostly going like, look, I made it. I didn't burn it today. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like. I don't. It would be really kind of well, first of all, you know, mm-hmm. putting a, a video of you, you know, doing the LBRP. Um, I mean, it's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um, from the outside, you look like an idiot. <laughs> um, you know, what you feel inside during ritual mm-hmm. um, is not what's going on outside. You know, like yeah. they're two very different things uh ritual can be very quiet and mm-hmm. not a lot of action going on but in your head it's you know it's just it's amazing and so i think or even like posting you know uh pictures of you know my daily practice like boring <laughs> like like really it's boring, yeah you know well I mean like I I have like a morning practice and then I have an evening practice and it's doesn't take long it's very simple very straightforward and then in the middle I might do a little the work here and there and it's like very kind of quick I I go through almost like a daily exercise just to keep it fresh and everything and mm-hmm. just to keep on top of things and yeah, like it, from the looks of it, it's it's kind of very simple. And I've done public rituals where honestly, it, it feels so strange having a whole bunch of people looking at you and you're going through the motions and you're like, okay. And then you're hoping you don't forget. <laughs> yeah, you're like, right. I've done this so many times, but I know I'm going to forget something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, though what was interesting is I, I one time did a... Um, re- can't remember the show i if it was for a youtube channel um i am going i'm blanking on the name but they asked me to do some the lbrp to try and like to kind of um clear the space and kind of like zero it out almost Mm -hmm. and i did it once downstairs and then i did it upstairs but i didn't realize i was being filmed at the time okay and apparently i freaked um was it Risen Undead? No. I'll think of it eventually. Uh, I feel more bad because I, he's really cool and everything and they and it was great. But apparently I freaked him out because I did it upstairs on the second level. I didn't know he was he had come in because I decided, oh, let's do it here. I was going through the motion. Since I wasn't being watched, I, I think I was a little more set in myself doing it. Yeah. And apparently when I do the ritual I, I do like invoke and stuff i project much better than when i'm normally talking right so my my voice is projecting out and apparently he was walking by and he sees me in the midst of ritual and he just like stops mid mode like what's going on That's <laughs> so funny. i apparently freaked him out just a little <laughs> i want to say it's resonant <laughs> 
but it this uh i don't know it's one of those i've there's always feels like every generation there's this level of you have to prove that you know know your crap and that you have read enough books or done enough stuff and now these days it seems like well if you didn't take a picture of it it doesn't count or something it didn't yeah. happen <laughs> yeah. yeah it's weird it's weird it's that's yeah i don't get it it's not my thing yeah um, what's your um your magic like like are you more um like a is it more witchcraft? Is it more ceremonial? Um, do you have a preference? Like, you know. Um, well, I do practice um, ceremonial magic. And then I do practice also. It's interesting. It's like I have these two separations of like my ceremonial magic that I, I learned from a dad that I still practice and learn from, learn, uh, continue to work with. And then I have my own kind of witchcraft that today I guess would be a little more in line with what they call traditional witchcraft and everything mm -hmm. um and it's it's very interesting because I'll have my altar space which is more traditional witchcraft but then I will be doing like the LBRP or the star ruby and just like have a little space off for there too <laughs> right 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 so like, so, like I, I think they've kind of melded, but I also try to kind of keep them separate too. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say, so like you, you blend them together sometimes. Cause yeah. I do that like with my, with my Druidry, mm -hmm. I largely keep my Druidry and my Golden Dawn separate yeah. um, for the most part, but you know, I do um, uh, blend them, especially like, uh, cause I, I do enjoy doing the eight Sabbaths because mm -hmm. it's you know they're spaced out nicely every six weeks it's a great time to get together with the group and you know celebrate do some magic have yeah. some fun mm -hmm. and so i you know i i like to blend the two and druidry actually lends itself Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Lux Files. I'm not just the host of this podcast. I'm also the owner of Lelo Gonzalez. I make beeswax and scented spell candles, loose stick and liquid incense, anointing rolls and bath salts. So once you're done listening to this episode, why don't you head on over to my website at www.lelokanzawan.com and check out my products. For your convenience, the link to the website is also in the show notes. Really well to, you know, uh, to like uh, ceremonial magic, uh, like the forms and, you know, the pomp and whatnot. Um, but either than that, um, either than those situations, I pretty much keep them very separate. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's it's one of those like I feel it's I don't I think they've blended together some sometimes like I'll do the same circle I'll do probably some ceremonial magic too because it feels familiar and it just seems to set right compared to like some people do like the four corners mm -hmm. and the elements and stuff I won't do that as much I'll just set the circle like you would do with ceremonial magic and then from there I will do my ritual space and everything. And that will maybe go more into a kind of a witch witchcraft setting than right, right, anything. right. Anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I do find that um, 
you know, I find my GD magic to be the most effective, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just sort of like overall, but if I'm doing something different, you know, doing something more druidic or, or witchy or whatever, I still find, you know, setting up like, like I'm doing like a GD ritual, mm-hmm. um, to be sort of like the best option, you know? And, you know, even if, if I'm going very, you know, roots and bones with the actual working, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to open and close with the ceremonial forms, I find, you know, just end up being the best, you know, for, for whatever outcome. Oh yeah. yeah. I find it also for myself, at least it's, it seems to work well, at least for personally, that it has a nice like opening up, setting the space, doing doing whatever I need to do, which sometimes is, is either I plan out or I kind of do like off the cuff, whatever I need uh-huh. to do. But then it just feels really nice just how to end it, to close it, circle on and uh, kind of like uh, clear it out. And it feels really like, yep, this is clear. This is set. We're good. Yeah. Ritual's done. <laughs> but also too, I mean, you know, the the ritual forms like the opening and closing, you know, like if if you're, you know, um GD or or Thelema, mm-hmm. um the way like this the space that you create is different than mm-hmm. you know if you're doing like a like a wiccan or a like a neo-pagan you know uh circle casting i mean they are you know mm-hmm. just because you're work- walking in a circle doesn't mean you're casting a circle in the yeah. same way you know so you, there's also that there too they just they they do serve two different functions so i find um you know, work, you know, doing like, like the, the pentagrams, the hexagrams and, mm-hmm. you know, um, in, in whatever combination, um, just, yeah, it's just more, it's, it's more effective. And yeah. I, I, and I think you, you understand your space better, you know, yeah. what's and- going on within your space when when it's active and like you say when you shut everything down yeah um you you can feel is it shut is mm-hmm. there still more work needed so yeah yeah well also like i've i've been involved i've i've participated in other like pagan rituals and, and other pagan circles and other circles like wiccan and just general energy work circles and it's it's interesting the different feels to it like especially if they do opening of the four quarters or do the elemental opening four quarters and it just has such a different feel Mm. I think for myself it might be just because it's what I grew up around and it feels most familiar like this sets right and it probably is personally where my I get easier into the magic headspace setting like the space like this with the ceremony magic than any other way because it's like for me like I grew up around that and it's like yep we are doing magic now the space is set and we're doing it we're where I go now (laughs) yeah did you get to the point like 
as you're getting older, you know, and I don't know, like, like, um, whether teenager or like, or what, because going back, I mean, this is going back to the start of our <laughs> three hour conversation so far, um, you know, <laughs> what you did, you know, a, as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, um, but at a certain point you were doing ceremonial magic like you like you were trained in it by your father well i i had been starting to be trained well it's interesting um growing up i he he was pretty far ahead in his his magical practice so what i would experience mostly was i i kind of it I always say I kind of learn backwards where I learn the philosophies, the ideas, the the theories behind Thelema and and what Crowley was saying, like the poems and rituals and stuff. But it wasn't until I was older when I approached my dad to actually learn the practice of it because he he never wanted to make like force like you must learn ceremony magic because he knew this was his path mm-hmm. he didn't expect it to, it to be mine he right. wanted me to approach him to like i want to actually learn now when i had access to his books and everything i would definitely come to him with questions he'd be like he would answer and then he'd be like okay read this and so i would learn the theories of the practice but it wasn't until i was older that i actually started learning more of the actual going through the steps of the practice itself and doing the rituals and and whatnot so it was much later when i was older that i actually did that part of it so i kind of i kind of learned it a little bit better right. <laughs> than what most people learn it yeah most yeah. people start learning the ceremony and the ritual and then they start learning the theories and and the the um mythos and everything so yeah <laughs> yeah you know when you're when you're a teenager and you discover magic for this first time in a book in a bookstore you mm-hmm. want to jump right in oh yeah absolutely and yeah for me as a teen like i got more into like i started getting like the silver raven wolf and um uh what cunningham and th- those books on magic those ones i just jumped right into like oh we'll do practice witchcraft and everything and I think even for a hot minute I was like looking at Wicca but I'm like yeah not my not my thing and everything but yeah to me witchcraft and ceremonial magic felt like two very separate worlds and everything yeah Yeah. which I mean in a lot of ways they are but Mm-hmm. but it, you can still you know yeah you can, you can i mean you look and... at the history like the people starting it they all ran in the same circle so yeah. you will see commonality behind them oh yeah <laughs> you know it, it's funny um uh because people could have such a negative um idea about the golden dawn crowley mm-hmm. Philema, whatever, without having any like knowledge about those systems or people yeah. uh, to actually have an informed opinion like that. But it's what they hear, it's what they read, and you know, yeah. they, they see a 30-second video on TikTok, you know, they <laughs> they read a hundred word tweet on on Twitter. 
Yeah. Um, and and I, when I say people, I'm like I'm talking about like people in the in the occult community, and like you know you go back, you don't have to go back that far in mm-hmm. in modern magic. You only have to go back to you know Victorian period, and all these threads we're all on separate traditions mm-hmm. um but all these threads they they come from the same place oh yeah well it, i mean they absolutely I, come from the same place uh, it's interesting because i've done some more recent reading about um the early like uh health movement and wellness culture and everything and just it's fascinating when you you see these these movements on new diets and health and and regimens and exercise and also the the big uh like they had the in the western you have they called the great awakening first round and then second third and all these little sub religions and all of them ran in the same circles and always yeah, like you have a lot of cultists who were also vegetarian. You have a lot of cultists who were later learned yoga, yoga and everything, and Eastern philosophy. And so, like everyone was interacting with everyone else and sharing ideas. So, even if you go with New Age, everyone thinks New Age is the '60s thing, whereas New Age has been around much longer than that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, it's fascinating when um, uh, so many. So, you go back to the the nineteenth um, century, mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot went on there in the nineteenth oh. century that you look at today as being new fads or mm. you know new age eighties nineties and um, uh, you know free love and mm-hmm. you know um group marriages and and holistics and vegetarianism and and stuff that you know never caught on into mainstream society so mm-hmm. so they get kind of buried so when they reemerge oh this is new this is <laughs> exciting and it's like no like it's it just it's fascinating how how so many things we have in society that are labeled, you know, new and progressive, um, were new and progressive 60 years ago mm-hmm. and 50 years before that and 60 years before that. It's just this new progressive thing never caught on. So mm-hmm. it died out and, you know, oh, revamped. I mean- and then died out, then revamped. This the spiritualism movement that happened is just like it's amazing. Just like with spiritualism, you had a lot of people who were also suffer uh, the early um, feminism movement, and you had the abolitionists, and you had all these little subsects and everything in the spiritualism movement who were also talking to the dead too. Yeah. Yeah. And you also had early paranormal investigators and the the early skeptics society and just like all these things. And it's one of those like if you just look in this one section, you'll find like information about all the other little subsections. Right. Yeah. Branching out. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and just like now like everyone knew everyone because it's a small yeah. community and it's always been a small community and they all fed off each other and was influenced by each other um oh yeah i mean there's there's so many there were uh, it's fascinating because everyone's like oh they didn't have the internet back then but it's like no they had like newspapers and newsletters and like, I mean, if you look at the archive ones, you would see in the, the opinion section, you'll see people have like multiple arguments with each other just by writing in the opinion yes, section back and yes. forth, like a yeah. message board. Yeah. Granted, it took longer, obviously, than Twitter, but it mm -hmm. wasn't some sort of dark ages void of communication and knowledge. Oh, yeah. And guess what else we did? We stood face to face with each other mm -hmm. and had conversations. Oh yeah, I mean, Live people had lectures and arguments. Yeah, <laughs> people were very opinionated. The arguments were, um, well, arguments are you know more like debates. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, um, you you can't debate anyone online. It just turns into a ridiculous argument. You know, oh, and people, say, people say things to you online that they would never say to your face. So, yeah, you know what? Things were slower back in the day. Yeah, but I'd rather um, I'd rather have intelligent mm -hmm. discourse, number one. And number two, um, faster communication just means more and easier ways for you to insult me so how am I supposed to be like yeah no more of that please you well, know I, I always love when you will see articles in these old newspapers and, and these are usually newsletters like spiritualist newsletters that lasted maybe a year half a year because people would like lose funding or lose yeah. speed or something but you would have people like print out huge articles basically telling someone like you're an idiot and this is how much you're an idiot and this yeah. is why yeah <laughs> It's so amusing. Yeah, it's so oh, amusing. Yeah. I mean, we haven't changed. No. Our, our method of communication has changed. Um, but yeah, no, it just, you know. They were saying more eloquently. They had bigger words to say, yeah. but they were still saying <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> right. Yeah, they had bigger words. It sounded nicer. <laughs> you were telling me to eat shit and die. Just, you know. It just sounded. They were doing it in the most polite way possible. Yeah. It just sounded nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. What a time, you know, that had to have been an exciting time. And, but I think a lot of people are a little too nostalgic for that time, which mm. is easy to do because you don't remember it because you're not you know, 150 years old, um, <laughs> because we're talking about, you know, Victorian England, it was dirty, it was smelly, it was, um, the air was literally toxic. But besides <laughs> that, besides that, we have more occultists now than at any time in our history. Mm -hmm. like, we're living it you know we're living it and people you know they're they're nostalgic and like oh to, you know to have these orders and have these temples and blah 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 oh i wish i can go to hogwarts we have hogwarts mm -hmm. find yourself like a gd temple mm -hmm. there's literal hogwarts out there they exist it's not that's not something from the past it's not mm -hmm. something from 
you know, 1890 uh, England. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, we're living in it. There's more cultists now than ever. We have more access to information now than ever. And, oh, so much more. Also, yeah, they, yeah. they sometimes yeah. forget. Yeah. Like, they, they forget, too, like, there was less access to books, less access to this knowledge. And also, unless you were, like, a rich white person, good luck trying to get into one of those temples. Well, actually, that's not true. Um, the the GD had a really big, well, now, there was no poor people, but there, you know, there was, like, well, here's one example, like a shoemaker. Now, when I say there's no poor people, a shoemaker wasn't exactly what we would consider middle class today. But, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, doctors and mm-hmm. you know, um, people that are independently wealthy for sure but it wasn't you know limited to people like with money but you know they certainly ran the show of course because you have you don't have to work like you, yeah. you get to spend all day in the library translating manuscript mm-hmm. you get to spend all evening scrying um, for these rituals and you know what I mean so, oh yeah they had the time they had the money therefore they had the the time you know um, but no we're living in it mm-hmm. we're living in it like esoteric archives you have a library of oh yeah material at your fingertips sacred tech you know what I mean like mm-hmm. we have access to so much more texts than they did back then oh yeah because a lot of times you had to either join join a lodge you had to know someone to join the lodge you had to really put the work in or to to somehow get a hold of the pamphlets or the books or borrow someone's pamphlets or books and and really it was definitely a much more dedicated i'm going to do this action than it ever was and yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you had to have a level of privilege to be able to dedicate that time because if if you were lucky if you're like middle upper class then you did, but most of the time if you weren't then you you kind of had to work. <laughs> you couldn't, couldn't yeah, dedicate absolutely. like like four or five hours to doing ritual stuff or like going to the lodge to uh, do studies or meet up with your teacher or anything like that or. So I think maybe that's why sometimes later on you saw more like uh, male correspondence probably became popular because they were probably much more feasible for people to yeah. just get the material that way and have like basically a, a learning through mail and through interaction instead of having to travel to the city yeah. to find a teacher or something yeah. like that. Uh, Dion Fortune, her... Um, uh, fraternity of the inner mm-hmm. light they had a correspondence course you know yeah. so those aren't even new concepts mm-hmm. you know? uh those go back um quite a ways oh yeah i mean you see it now you still see in a way correspondence course it's now just on zoom instead of by mail it's <laughs> snail mail yeah exactly exactly or you know like pdfs and 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 videos and and zoom 
classes, which mm. I think is fantastic. I, oh, I think, yeah. you know, it's wonderful. Um, I, I'm developing a new appreciation for um, um, the use of, of technology like computers and Zoom with magic. And, you know, I had a very set opinion about uh, the idea of cyber magic. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a good one. Um, prior to like, I, I'm in a, a group um, and we meet every Sunday and we've been doing some amazing, some pretty amazing stuff. Oh, lots, cool. uh, yeah, lots of uh, like deep purist Enochian. Okay. Um, and the the results have been really, really interesting. Um, so I've had to re- revise my whole opinion about, you know, cyber magic and, uh, and uh, yeah, re- you know, looking at this as an experiment, which is fun because I like, I like the, the, the sort of, well, let's try it and find out kind of attitude, because if I don't try, I'm yeah. not going to know, you know, um, what's the worst oh, that could happen you know I, I think that that part of it comes from like like I think with the pandemic and and one of the the good things I saw happen was like a lot of people started doing zoom and online uh lectures and talks and 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 group th- sessions and everything and yeah for the longest time there was this this love hate of technology where people are like oh if you have technology you'll just like totally fritz out because you're doing too much magic around it but because now you kind of have to i think maybe it's learning that it can be adaptable and it's not not a bad thing or anything it's just another tool that can be utilized in our practice and everything and i think it might be maybe honestly i think it was one of those like with the computer and technology coming in people saw it as this almost alien thing and it's yeah. like well i don't want to be locked into this or or attached to this or anything this will interrupt my practice yeah now it's like this is now being more of a useful tool to the practice and everything. Yeah. but now i'm wondering if it's more than just a useful tool mm-hmm. and but more actually like a magical tool because once I started seeing these results and Mm. it could just be the fact that I mean I know distance magic works obviously but I didn't I was unsure about you know um, a cohesive group work you know where we're all doing the same thing um if we're just connected just because in the same way that distance magic works just because you know we're connected Mm -hmm. or is is the computer playing a part as well like is the internet and you know interestingly we describe it as a world wide web and web imagery in the occult you know so prevalent and i don't need to go into why because everyone listening to this will know um are we like is the internet a magical tool not just a useful tool you know i, can, I mean like so I remember... I, I'm, I'm having to 
yeah question everything like all of my opinions all of my assumptions all of my beliefs Mm -hmm. um just question them all and kind of put them aside and because I don't want them to influence my work yeah I, I don't want them at the back of my head this isn't supposed to work. This isn't supposed to work. Well, I'm trying to do the work. Um, so I'm, I'm just, I'm questioning everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of my opinions, all of my assumptions, everything when it comes to cyber magic, um, online rituals, virtual rituals, everything. Um, and, you know, e- either to my benefit or not, but we'll find out, uh, you know, <laughs> You know, um, and that's what's great about magic is that that ability to experiment and try, you know, uh, mm-hmm. new things. It's either going to work or it's not. You might as well try and find out. Oh, yeah. And that's honestly, I think I love with with most of the time. I think when people are first starting practice, I always feel like, yes, it's good to learn the foundations mm-hmm. and, and the, the basis. It's almost like, it's good to learn the rules to then learn how to break the rules and yeah. everything. Yeah. And um, I can see with, with utilizing, like, cause I know when we were doing a lot of energy work last year and everything, because we couldn't get together in person. So then we had to like, similar figure out a way to adapt and it was almost like we already had ties to each other and Mm -hmm. now you almost had to kind of focus and like remember you have those ties and start actually like pulling on them and seeing how you can strengthen them and utilize them even more and like almost adapt because in some ways doing ritual magic through like cyberspace and stuff it's not too dissimilar to maybe doing like um astral work and and doing ritual on astral plane or something Mm -hmm. or visualizing a ritual in your head because i mean that's one thing's talking about like if you can't do ritual in a space so you don't have space then you just visualize in your head it's like how's that that shouldn't be any different on the effectiveness than being able to go through the physical emotion yeah yeah i'm just questioning is it is the internet um creating more effectiveness Mm. because it's an actual and you know with with uh your internet connection and whatnot Mm. um this this movement of of energy that's 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 what i'm wondering is that's why i say like not just a useful tool but a magical tool So I can, it's, I can it's, see that. Yeah, it's yeah, an give it so much energy. Like there is such a push and pull of energy that we're we're putting in energy daily with interacting on the internet and mm-hmm. interacting with people, and we're taking energy when we're like talking to people or even is arguing with people. Mm-hmm. There's still that give and take energy, yeah. and I mean the internet as a whole has been around thirty years now, give or take. <laughs> so i can i can see it almost as a a entity of of interaction it's the only now we're really starting to maybe fully utilizing it or really seeing how it can really work for us instead yeah. of thinking it's something that works against us yeah 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 no 
we we exist in an exciting time like in in mm -hmm. the you know occult world i think we exist in a in a very uh very exciting time because we just have access to so so much i still i get people's need to um have that like in person like lodge experience mm -hmm. uh which is is absolutely valuable um but they're out there and you know if you don't live in an area where there's one close by there's getting to be some pretty good alternatives you know mm -hmm. like zoom class. no it's not the same i i get that yeah. i get that but but it's better than nothing yeah and honestly like it's it's one of those like i i've seen um services on zoom and it's it's one of those like yeah it's it would be different if i was there in person and going through it and everything but you you still can get the feel of it you can still get the 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 feel of the words and everything and and um have some experience with it even if you're not in the temple space doing it yeah with everyone and everything and i think that's i think also in some ways it kind of like like you said it helps people especially if they aren't near any groups or people that they could do ritual with yeah and whatnot because i know for at least myself like 10 uh, 15 years ago it'd be much harder to find people but now you can go online and do a live chat with someone and you can go through a ritual with them even if you guys are like in two different states <laughs> yeah yeah it's it, it's amazing it's exciting and um i think we're we're totally totally lucky you know oh, to be yeah. living right now i'm sure you know uh 30 years from now there will be people having this exact conversation but looking back at us and being like oh god dark ages like how did they you know uh uh i want to do a virtual reality temple i would love to have like a virtual reality temple. i was just <laughs> talking about this um uh i i think i brought it up with someone on on one of my episodes of, of the podcast hmm. but i was having a, a serious conversation like what it, it, it not just having a virtual temple space mm -hmm. but you can do things like um when you're doing the um pentagram rituals and the hexagram rituals you you know you do your tracing yeah and the, oh, light, so cool. the light is visible you know mm -hmm. and your let's say like so my cyber group we're all in this virtual space so they're seeing the 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 light tracing with the pentagram mm -hmm. and the hexagrams um you can even do things like um have a goetic circle uh program mm -hmm. where you know you have the circle and the triangle you're in a virtual space and you're um evoking a demon mm -hmm. And when you feel like the demon has come, mm -hmm. you can, you know, hit the button 
and a visual representation of the demon is there in front of you in the virtual space. Like, I think there could be so much more than just creating the four walls oh, you know, yeah. or in the ceiling um, to really, and it's a little bit of, of taking Hollywood and, and putting it into a ritual. And I've discussed this plenty of times on this podcast about how, you know, the exaggerated, um, the exaggerated witchcraft and magic of yeah. Hollywood is an outward expression of what I'm feeling inside. No, I can't fly. No, I can't shoot lightning bolts from my fingertips. <laughs> but when I'm in ritual, mm. that's what you feel like. Yeah, yeah. And so first of all, it would be really boring um, having, you know, the LBRP in a movie. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? That, that's, that's not yeah. like I mean, that's not marketable, you know, for for a movie. That doesn't excite people. That doesn't, you know, um stir the imagination. Unless they saw the like the flaming, flaming yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so so it's it's taking that sort of like like Hollywood magic, mm. so to speak, and putting it in a virtual reality space. So you can see what mm. you're feeling. It's not a replacement for feeling the energies and invoking the energies. It's just having a, for the first time, a visual representation of what you're experiencing. Um, and- Well, it's, it's honestly no, it's not really that different from the psychodrama you would see like, Crowley putting on plays yeah. and very psychologists that they would do, they were doing rituals, but they were always these over-exaggerated, very visual plays, yeah. but it was still a ritual they were doing too at the same time. Yeah, it was, exactly. It was like the photographs you see are like amazing looking and everyone's like, oh my goodness. And they were like, oh, it was theater. It's like, yes, but it was still ritual theater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing, really. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is the same thing. Um, so yeah, I think that's exciting. And I, I think, uh, we'll be seeing that, uh, yeah. soon. I know a guy a couple of years ago, he did a couple of virtual reality spaces. Um, one he did of a GD temple and part of the neophyte initiation. Oh, um, and then a couple other, you know, like magic circles and whatnot. So it, it's taking that it's, you know, mm. um, but I, I would love to see like it up. like a 3D model of like the tree of life and then like through VR just like visually going through all the sephiras mm. and like experiencing what each sephirah um, means and, and how it equates to you and just like basically walking through up the tree of life. That would be so cool. That would be something else. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, I would love that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, now I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, there, it's just, it's just exciting. I, I we, we just live in, a, in, a, in, an, in mm -hmm. an exciting time uh, in the, in the occult community. And I think it's just going to get um, so much better. I worry a little bit. Um, I think we're due for a satanic panic. Um mm -hmm. 
I, I, I can see, I can see one um, coming down the pike a bit. I'm a little worried about what you guys got going on down there in the States. Um, oh, are, are you talking about like, just like how, Oh, like, just all the laws and, and yeah. it's just, I don't know. I, 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 I can see another satanic panic, uh, coming down the pike, but, mm. but either than that, I mean, I, I think, you know, on the back end, if, if that happens, I think on the back end of, of, uh, another satanic panic, I think it'd be some pretty amazing stuff, uh, by that point i i think i could definitely especially like with social media and just people taking things too seriously or when they see something silly like i i, I don't know if you remember when uh i think it was last year or year before when there was the whole cursing the moon or some uh, weird nonsense yeah, stuff yes, and yes, yes. Was like i remember that going for a moment like what and then it's like it was people just trolling honestly it was just but there were also people who thought it was serious and people trolling so i feel like it, it might be one of those like i could see like a joke being maybe taken too far where people are like oh my goodness it's like no no that was just a joke no one meant to actually curse anyone hex anything do anything weird i don't know that's that's one of the things i could see being a tipping point maybe yeah yeah or like, oh my god! If you watch TikTok, your your kids are going to turn into witches or something weird yeah. like that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll blame it on the kids. We'll blame it, it on the um. We'll blame it on Gen Z. If there's a satanic panic, we'll just blame it on them. But like, I was like with Harry TikTok. Potter, where people thought like reading Harry Potter suddenly you become a wizard or yeah. something. Um, I warned you about TikTok. <laughs> I warned. I told you. I told you. But did you listen? No. <laughs> and now look where we are we're in another satanic panic and it's all it's, your fault it's so strange and especially i remember i've read up on the satanic panic from the 80s and just how widespread that was but it mm -hmm. was all sorts of different things and yeah. just it was honestly it was one big messed up phone game that just turned ugly oh yeah but notice how the the majority of people that were negative negatively affected mm. by the satanic panic notice the similarities between them and the people during the witch hunts of mm. early modern european period yeah neither of them were witches or satanists you know mm. like all of these daycare workers going to prison for um uh molesting children in the daycares and sacrificing them in mm. in satanic rituals yeah none of that happened just nope. like just like 500 years ago none of it happened you know it was all these innocent people getting caught up in this you know satanic panic mm. and it just it, it was history repeating itself oh yeah it's like a lot of people got got caught up in it it was it was just a lot of just hearsay and they were taking the the parents would hear a story from the kids and they, they passed to their parents it just got yeah. worse and worse and then they they just uh, it yeah it ran wild honestly 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, so I can see another one um, happening. I mean, I hope not. Mm -hmm. It it just, it really wouldn't, um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. No. I I could definitely just, and the thing is too, it's like, I noticed that paganism, the occult, is becoming a little more mainstream, but that that comes and goes. It always comes in ways where it becomes mainstream and then falls back into kind of on the fringe and then comes back again. And everyone's freaking out when they see like, I don't know, incense and chakras at five below and just your own, the, the witch kid at like Sephora. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. that, it wasn't even being sold yet. You just saw the picture and you're like, oh my goodness. It's like, it's a tarot card. I think it was tarot cards, some oils, a, a smudge stick, and a crystal. Yes, yes, yes. I yeah, I forgot about that. That and that never um, ended up. Uh, no, they were just previewing. No. It was like on the website. They, it it yeah. never even hit the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a world we live in. We yeah, it's it's we live a we live in a fascinating world. We really yeah. do. It's it's so complex and um right now it's a little bit like walking on eggshells because yeah. never know like okay is this uh is is this opinion um out of date this week i don't mm-hmm. know um yeah so it's it's interesting it's interesting but it's also um it's also a little aggravating and uh well the thing is too is i sometimes think because information can move so fast and and things move it sometimes moves faster before the complete thought gets out there or all the information's out there or all the facts and everything and then of course people have the knee-jerk reaction of oh my goodness before the whole story comes out mm-hmm. and things happen it just snowballs from there so i can see where on one hand, people are trying to be more aware and trying to catch things, but at the same time, it's it's there's a line between be more aware and just like instead of educating, just knocking people down and like gatekeeping when it's like having a discussion. Yeah, might be better. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Instead of just yelling at people. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like all of these you know, it's a catch 22 because all of these problems could be solved by getting rid of social media, <laughs> but, you know, but social media has been so good for bringing, um, uh, you know, like-minded people together. And it just, yeah. like I said, that's why I said it, it's a catch 22 because there's so much, uh, potentially good about mm-hmm. it, but there's just so much that's just absolutely horrible and, and, um, yeah it's uh whatever whatever i i think part of it is like when we were talking about the whole with with people's personal practice and the whole idea where if i don't post it then i must not be doing it or it doesn't count or something i think people hopefully now or at least we're we're starting to realize there there's that some form of separation between social media and your personal practice where it's the, you're not trying to do your practice because you're trying to to um, please other people. This is a practice for yourself between you and whatever higher power you believe in. 
And so it's one of those things where I think people need to separate the whole, I'm doing this for myself and not doing it for this, for the clicks or the likes or yeah. the points or yeah. everything. And I think that's where people are trying to separate where it's like, yes, you can make all the lovely pictures and the aesthetic stuff, but also at the end of the day, you should, your practice should be fulfilling you and not just wearing it down because you didn't take the coolest picture possible about yeah. Some, some yeah, exactly. exactly. But I mean, there is that, you know, and, and, and people are calling it um, aesthetic witchcraft, mm -hmm. where they're, you know, they're, they're not, they're less practitioners, and they're more, you know, taking on the aesthetic of, of witchcraft, which is fine, mm -hmm. which is absolutely fine. Um, so you know as 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 long as you keep it to that um where witchcraft is more of like a lifestyle you know online sort of you know likes and and follows yeah. and whatnot and as long as you don't you know start buying into your own hype and thinking mm -hmm. you're like some sort of authority um where you're setting the rules and the parameters then i mean knock yourself out knock yourself out because because if if your witchcraft is is limited to the to the aesthetics of witchcraft mm -hmm. then post away like post those photos absolutely they're beautiful um you I, know I not gonna, it's not going to interrupt your magic because you're not doing magic because your your witchcraft is is aesthetic yeah so so that's fine mm. um, but i mean i'm i'm thinking like you know am i gonna post photos of my altar with my my four elemental weapons on it no because <laughs> though no because those elemental weapons represent more than just yeah. magic or or elements you you know what i mean yeah uh, no they're very personal because like i have tools i'm honestly i've i think i a couple times i used to post here and there of my altar and now these days i don't even post any pictures of my altar because it's i don't know there's something very personal because it's it's this space where i'm working with the spirits in the deities i work with and this is our kind of meeting ground and i don't i i feel like this is not something i i feel or care to share with anyone else yeah so i, I can definitely understand that too and i think that's the thing it's like i love these stick pictures i love the extent witchcraft witchcraft yeah. stuff it's beautiful but i think the problem becomes when people see these pictures they get this idea that this is how it has to be done you have to have your apothecary behind you of all these jars and you have to have all these pretty like image objects or you're not a witch or you're not yeah. a practitioner or everything and it's like there has there, they they have to realize that there's a separation between the beautiful imagery and then the practice and also, I think sometimes people think like, oh, you posted this beautiful aesthetic picture and you must know magic. And sometimes people just want to post a pretty aesthetic picture. And like you said, the lifestyle, it doesn't mean they 
doesn't mean they don't know it, but they might not want to be a authority yeah. in talking about it. Yeah. And people assume like, oh, you must know about it because you posted this candle and these oils and, and all these herbs and you you must know what this is. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's it it, it just yeah, it, it's weird. Like, OK, well, they're posting a picture of an altar. They have 10,000 followers. They they must be an authority. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. Like if that's your, you know, the the extent of your qualifications for who's an authority and who's not, I, you know, I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. I mean, like yeah. even for myself, like I I've been practicing for a while, and I I definitely do not think myself an authority at all. Right? I'm like I have I have information. Like this is what I have done. This is how I practice. But it's probably different from the person, the the next person who also practices yeah. <laughs> too. Yeah, uh, my my friend called me an adept in front of other um, um, occultists once, and I'm like, "What did you just call me?" You know, like, "Am I? <laughs> am I really? Um, really?" It's just, first of all, you know, you don't walk around calling yourself an adept. Like you don't, mm-hmm. well, first of all, you don't, you know, really think of yourself as, as an adept. Um, like that's not like a daily kind of like thought that crosses your mind. Um, you don't really vocalize it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so when you hear someone, you know, it kind of throws you. And it's like, um, you know, and then of course you're like, but really? really am i you know mm-hmm. like uh, honestly i i hardly ever feel just because like i i wouldn't say i'm the best practicer i don't say i'm the most like like regular practicer but i do practice and so i'm like i look at mostly the days the off days when i'm not and i'm like ah I'm not that good right <laughs> i'm a bad bad pick. right <laughs> Oh no, it's a full moon. Quick, throw some rocks out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. Um, I mean, they're just words and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the thing is that the more you know, I think the more the more you acknowledge you're a student and yeah. you're a learner. You know, anyone that is like, oh yeah, no, I'm an adept. I'm a teacher. I know it all. um run like run um it's like this this is i think this is something people also don't realize when first coming in like this is a lifelong practice like you will always be learning something and if you're not then 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 you become stagnant it's like also like honestly i love learning new information about the occult and magic and everything and and other practices so i don't Hmm. i can never see myself not learning something new and everything yeah it just it honestly just helps make things it it betters your practice the more yeah, you sure i was going for a while there um feeling that like my my daily practice was a little stale mm-hmm. it's the same thing every day you know yeah. um um if i have a little bit more time it's more mm-hmm. but it's more of the same and in really busy days, it's less of the same. Mm-hmm. And it was getting pretty stale. Um, 
And, and, you know, it's okay to do the same things day in and day. Like having that routine is, is fantastic, but you, you still have to change up something, yeah. um, you know, even if it's like on occasion, just to keep things, you know, interesting and, and, and vibrant. And, but I didn't realize how stale until we started working with the deep purest Anakian magic. Mm. And so I don't de- don't do deep purest Anakian every day. Um, but learning something new, incorporating a new style into my magical practice has livened things up, reinvigorated me. Whereas so that like my daily practice that was stale, mm-hmm. I'm still doing it, but it's fun and exciting again. Yeah. It feels good. And I feel like when I'm doing it and on like those busy days where it's, you know, let's say an LBRP and a bit of meditation. Mm-hmm. for 15 minutes because that's all I could spare in the morning yeah. let's yeah. say I still feel like like this powerful magician that can fly and shoot lightning bolts out of my fingertips you know um because that's how you should feel when you're yeah. doing magic um so if, if things are getting a little stale getting a little boring you you know spice it up learn something new absolutely absolutely because my daily practice like I said hasn't changed one bit Mm -hmm. it's the extra stuff that I'm doing that made me excited and and energized again oh yeah no it's it's definitely those moments of when you feel like you you suddenly are just kind of going through the motions and not really putting because you know that definitely the difference when you're putting the energy into the ritual, even if, if it's just the very simple ones, and then the or the times when you're just literally you're just reading off the words and go through the motions, then you can feel like okay, there's nothing going on. Yeah. And I think sometimes that happens where you either you just you feel like you you plateaued or you just kind of stagnant. And people, I know people get frustrated at that, and it just that's like you said, that's when you have to like incorporate a new ritual or even learn a new ritual to kind of refresh yeah. that energy and re, re jumpstart. And I think sometimes people maybe with the aesthetic stuff and the internet stuff, they see too often people who might be just getting started doing like, yes, I'm doing all these rituals every day and being on top of it and, and being super, um, all the magic stuff. And they're like, well, I'm not really doing that kind of doing it and they get discouraged because they see that it's like you two different paths (laughs) mileage may vary yeah yeah for sure yeah Yeah. you don't want to get caught in that trap of okay well they're doing x i need to do x you know um that's always that's always a recipe for failure absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely you know even um at times it's it, it can be good to just stop magic and yeah. do something very grounding and very mundane um because sometimes 
all magic, no theory, like yeah. all practice, no theory can be really imbalancing. You oh, know? Yeah. So sometimes, you know, you, you, you also have to just stop the magic. I'm not talking about weeks or months or anything like that, but uh, yeah, sometimes you need to take a break for a couple of days and uh, do, you know, read. <laughs> read uh, a book that's not a cult book. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, do some journal or, you know, do some journaling about, you know, get caught up on mm-hmm. um, recording your, your magical workings because that's, you know, you're still, you know, kind of in that magical sphere, but it's yeah. still very grounding to get those words out onto, onto paper, you know? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's, that's the thing I say, I feel like needs to be talked more. It's like, I'm very much of the idea of the magical diary of, of journaling, especially um, talking about when talking about dream working and lucid dreaming, like journal, journal, and like everyone, to, uh, first thing, journal, all the journaling, because if you're practicing or you're learning these rituals, it is one thing, it's like, yeah, you did these rituals, that's good, but are you recording it so that because everyone's like, oh, I'm going to remember that. It's like, no, not after like 30 of these rituals, you're not going to remember this right. little yeah. detailed differences of yeah. how you were at the first ritual to the 30th. And it, it honestly, I, I think it's really helpful to journal it out and write out so that you can see your progress. Yeah. Especially like if you do hit a plateau or dry spot, you can go back to those journals and see how far you've come. Yeah. Or what you want to maybe worked on that you maybe lost sight of. Yeah. I love, I love journaling. There's so many benefits to keeping a magical journal. Mm-hmm. I find it very grounding, very meditative. Um, it's a good outlet for my creative juices when I don't have time to create. And I, you know, like I'm creating every day. Cause again, I'm, I make, you know, the candles and the incense mm-hmm. and the oils, but I'm creating that those for others. Like I'm talking about, you know, like when you're, you're building your own ritual tools and yeah. how great that creative process is and, mm-hmm. and, and, and whatnot. I find that when I don't have the time to create something for me Hmm. journaling is like a almost like a um like a second best Mm -hmm. option you know it's gonna guide me over I don't have time this week but the journaling until the weekend then I can get to you know Mm -hmm. um working on you know whatever creative pursuit (laughs) Um, but I, I, yeah, well, first of all, you want to keep that record, like you said, Mm -hmm. but I just find like just the process, very grounding, very, um, very meditative and, um, and a good outlet for, for some pent up creativity. Oh Um, yeah. I I love it because I think also it's, it's something for just you. Like, honestly, I think if people, when they do journal, they, they shouldn't, is just between them and the book that don't think of anyone else reading it is just mm-hmm. your own record and everything and i honestly love it because i'll write notes out from uh bits of 
research I've done on books or like honestly when I've had the aha moments of like oh that makes so much sense now and just write down the the paragraph or something and then include where it connects either to something that I remember from my life or something I did once and like oh now I understand why because that's the other thing so much of this research with magic even especially ceremonial magic not a lot of it will make sense at first but then as you're yeah. progressing it's like oh now you know why we why yeah. this is kind of why, why these yeah. words make sense here and everything and yeah. you want that that record to show like when you had those moments so you're like oh wow i did connect all the dots properly <laughs> right exactly yeah you absolutely need that you know mm. you really really do uh now you may not necessarily go you know refer to your journals from five years ago or 10 years ago mm. but you'll be surprised how often that actually happens yeah but you know you i i, I think um it doesn't have to be a pretty thing i think people get so caught up with it being just, like grimora I mean, book of shadows thing. i have my really fancy one mm -hmm. that is like fancy fancy uh it's a handmade leather um bound grimoire with the swivel locks and the medallion and um it's on this post system so like like you can take out the pages and like i hand illuminated them like oh, wow. like manuscripts yeah uh, but that's like you know that has you know all my rituals and blah 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 mm -hmm. but like you know you're you know scribbling you know after uh uh a scrying session um workbook like i just you know i have like like um artist sketchbooks mm -hmm. you know and yeah. because you you now see like what i do is i record everything mm -hmm. so you know like the really basic if i just wake up in the morning do an lbrp and that's it mm -hmm. for the morning that gets recorded down the date the um you know uh whatever planetary date is planetary hour um uh moon phase mm -hmm. you know um what sign the moon's in what sign the sun's in uh and weather conditions clear cloudy rainy hot mm -hmm. cold um so your magical diaries like you go through them really quickly yeah. Uh, you're yeah. not like you know this my fancy one I, I i think i cost me like 750 dollars so obviously i'm not going to be buying one of those every mm. six months because i filled it up with i did lbrp today felt pretty good you know <laughs> but yet the entry is like this big because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm scribbling every you know oh sun is in gemini uh waxing moon is in leo oh a little bit of drizzle but otherwise it's not so bad out um <laughs> you know so no i'm not going to spend you know 750 bucks on a journal every six months for for that but mm -hmm. i want to record that because i want to see that every time um uh it's a waxing moon and it's raining i have a shit um lbrp or yeah. i have an amazing lbrp 
you know well, and I, I think that's what people forget with it because i think sometimes they 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 think it has to be like long pages of, mm. of talking and everything and most of the time like you said it's a usual like i did the lbrp yeah it didn't go out so well try again next time <laughs> try yeah. again later or something like that or like i'll if i do um my my dream journaling like what i'll do is usually have the the day the time and um i'll put like dream notes out put the notes of the dream itself whatever i can remember what i did in the dream what happened this but then below that i'll put notes of like well yesterday this happened this happened and i'll connect the dots of like well this is might be why this happened dream because two days ago i talked to this person and now i had a dream about this yeah so i'll yeah. put the dream notes and then the logical possible explanation too or notes of like huh that symbolism was interesting i wonder what it meant and then research it or something yeah plus regular use of dream journaling can help you to um to remember your, mm. your dreams not always you, you don't become a master dream rememberer that's not a title but um <laughs> you know because no matter how how long you've been dream journaling for you're gonna wake up with fuzzy mm. dreams but um I, I i find that um keeping a dream journal does actually help you to remember a little bit better Oh yeah, I've I've noticed because I'll go through phases of being very um, detail oriented with dream journaling, and I'll go through slumps and everything. And I notice to get out of my slumps that I'll uh, in the morning I'll write down, even if I don't actually remember dream, I'll write down any like emotion I remember or any feelings or even just like single words. I notice if I continue to do that. It's almost like my brain clicks in the fact like, oh, we want to remember this information. Yeah. And then yeah. slowly the, the the entries will get bigger and bigger as I like remember maybe more than one dream along the way. And everything. Yeah. So that seems. <laughs> yeah. And I would think, too, if, if you're dedicated to keeping a dream journal, I mm. would think that subconscious like so you wake up and you have a fuzzy dream that you can't quite remember or you yeah. just remember a few things, but not the whole dream. I would think that subconsciously, your mind is saying, I really want to journal this dream as um, as detailed as possible. Mm -hmm. So it's gonna, I, I'm sure subconsciously, your brain's gonna be working on recovering that dream. So throughout the day, you know, when you remember bits and pieces from a dream, yeah. I think that that, um, your subconscious plays a part in that if you're actively dream journaling that it's working in the background without you even realizing it trying to um pull uh memories from that fuzzy dream that you can't quite remember oh for sure and i've even noticed like if if i if i keep up with it long enough if i get really uh dedicated to it i then notice that it becomes a little easier to also like interact with the dream and start mm, doing yeah. the lucid dreaming part yeah. and and really uh, lock into. Um, it, it's weird. Like right now, it's more like I'm aware that yes, I am dreaming. This is this is the scenario, but I don't really can't yet like do anything in the dream other than just being aware. Like 
yeah, I'm dreaming and just still go with the flow of it. Yeah. So I noticed as long as I start keep journaling, like, yeah, like you said, the subconscious slowly clicks in place like, oh, we want to do things. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, oh my God, it's 140. What? Oh my goodness. We've been at this for a while. <laughs> We've been at this for a while. We started, well, I, I, I don't know when we started recording. Um, it was probably around 9.20 or 9.30. Yeah, that sounds so, about right. Yeah, yeah, about there. So, well, maybe we should wrap it up then. Um, I, I can blab about this stuff all day. Oh, I can, you know what, honestly, um, I could keep going. Like I prefer um, like the longer the episode, the better, you know, like I, I don't want to do like an hour long episode, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, if we started at like, okay, so if we started at 930, so we've been going, oh, for four hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I, I would eat like, if we started at seven, I'd be like, yeah, let's do five hours. Let's do six mm-hmm. hours. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about this until I pass out. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, you know, I'll, 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 I'll stop it here. I'll let you go um, because, you know. Um, oh, I loved it. This was fun. Yeah. I totally enjoy this. No, good. I'm glad. No, this was, this was fun. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, and you're going to be on the, the podcast. Um, no one knows. I like, I, I haven't talked about it like publicly, so I'm not going to actually go into it, but, but you'll be back shortly anyways, too. So that's going to be an interesting, um, I think that's going to be an interesting episode. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I could talk shop all day about this. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think if I, well, I normally go to bed at around two, sometimes, uh, sometimes three. So it's mm-hmm. not like, I'm like, oh, I, this is, you know, way past my bedtime. Um, but I have such a busy day. Oh, <laughs> such a busy day tomorrow. Oh no. Yeah. Same here. Honestly. Just, but... it, it's just, um, I I've just been so busy, and you know, I shouldn't really complain because it's, it's good busy. It's my business being successful, busy. And that means keeping a roof over my head, yeah. but just, it's a little, um, like my business almost double, like my business last year almost doubled from the year previous. Oh, wow. And this year it's even that much more. So, and I'm still just, it's just me. Um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, I work from home, I, Mm. I, you know, all the products are made. I'm, I'm actually sitting in my ritual room right now and it's a fairly big room. Like it's an 18 by 18, you know, um, uh, room 18 foot by 18 foot you know square room so I mean it's, it's a big space but it's mm-hmm. still I mean still like with COVID and whatnot like I don't want I just don't want people in here you know like working you know what I mean yeah so, you you'll feel the, the 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 smallness of the space once you have like one or two people in with yeah, you <laughs> yeah so so right now it's still it's still it's still just me it's still just mm-hmm. me so uh yeah when these uh when these orders come in, like, you know, from the distributors, um, cause it's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of products. 
um, it just, it makes for busy days. So yeah. it's yeah. one of those, like, it's a good busy, but it's still busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So before we wrap up, um, mm-hmm. why don't you tell, uh, the listeners and I'll put these in the show notes, uh, okay. easier for the listeners, but just tell the listeners, you know, where they can find you online, you know, like your social media and they can follow you and what you got going on and whatnot. Uh, let's see. I'm right now I'm most active on Instagram. So you can find me under Elfie Music, E-I-L-F-I-E-M-U-S-I-C. Um, I'm also under Twitter, which is also Elfie Music too. I do do a podcast with Crystal and Kat for Ghost Girl Diaries. We kind of switch off every other Friday. Uh, we usually do around uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll talk about paranormal cases, true crime, um, uh, TV, pop culture stuff, all sorts of things, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. We've been, I've been doing that with them for like a few months now, almost six months now, actually, yeah, probably yeah. longer. Yeah. My sense of time sucks. <laughs> I know, right? Well, especially in the pandemic, uh, I like mm-hmm. time just doesn't mean anything anymore. Oh yeah. But yeah. The pod, that podcast is fun. And like, so like, I'll have the link to that, like I oh, said, well, um, in the it's show interesting. Well, and... well, what's interesting is like Crystal, she she's me and her, we we had known each other for a few years. Like we kind of like we've never met in person, but we knew each other online and we kind of like circled around for a while. And then finally one day we just kind of actually met up and uh decided like she asked, like, hey, do you want to come on do so this podcast with, with me and everything and like sure and then I think it was at first like kind of just being kind of like guest spot and then she's okay. like hey do you want to do it I'm like yeah I love talking about the paranormal right yeah so we'll talk about history and and ghosts and hauntings and true crime and just we'll go off on so many different tangents too yeah <laughs> we try so, to stay on topic <laughs> yeah so you guys should uh, really check out the podcast because that's a lot of fun i mean yeah. that, that's going to tick a lot of boxes on uh you know with the listeners with mm-hmm. uh, you know also with- crystal and cat are just awesome too they're a lot of fun so you can actually find their their handles through ghost girl diaries too and they post all sorts of stuff um and i believe ghost girl diaries has a tiktok as well Okay. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. Four and a half hours or four hours <laughs> of absolute fabulous oh, God. <laughs> uh, with Elfie music. And um, yeah, um, uh, you know, this was so much fun. I really oh, enjoyed I'm this. Glad. I had such a good time. It was, it was so nice. This was such an easy conversation because you know, you just want to talk about this and I just want mm-hmm. to talk about this and listen. And it was just so nice um, to have such a relaxed conversation, but hit so many good points along the way. You know what I mean? So this oh, was yeah. a lot of fun and uh, we'll have, you know, fun in a couple of weeks. And um, even I could though- I just nerd out about the cult history alone. Like, <laughs> Well, you know, the thing is like, that's going to be a whole, you know, in a few weeks, that's mm-hmm. a whole- different format um so that you know that's it almost like it doesn't count um (laughs) i'll get you back on we'll we'll pick something well a cult history then we'll do a cult history and we'll just we'll uh just talk about a cult history for 
four hours. Yeah, it's like, how much time you got? <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, literally, when I say, like, because I always tell guests, like, when I'm trying to book them, I'm like, just set the time and we're going to talk for as long as you want to talk. Like, because I literally, everything else is off the table. It just becomes mm. all about the podcast. And, you know, this is case in point when we're at it for like four hours. Yeah. Like, I wasn't joking. I wasn't, <laughs> you know, going to like secretly cut you off after an hour. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So, no, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do another uh, four hour marathon or five hour marathon and just have a good time. The listeners love it. The listeners love these long conversations. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll call it history. There Yay. we go. Perfect. Good. Okay. In the meantime, I'm going to say, uh, good night and thank you again for coming on. And yeah. So, say goodbye to the, the listeners. Bye, everyone. Thank you. And thank you again for inviting me. This was wonderful. Oh, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Lux Files. You'll find all the guest links in the show notes, as well as the link www.laylokanzawin.com slash links. That link will get you to my page of links where you can then go to my Laylokanzawin website, the Lux Files page, and my Laylokanzawin YouTube channel that has all the Lux Files videos. It also has all my social media links there so you can follow me and the Lux Files. And don't forget to subscribe to the Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving me a review. Until next time.